Welcome to the Game of Thrones podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Game of Thrones on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 8, Episode 4, titled The Last of the Starks. Uh, I can't believe there are only two more episodes of this great show I can't left. believe there's only four more Starks. Yeah, that's that's only twice as many as, as the episode number. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just struck me that like in two weeks, Game of Thrones is over. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sort of sad about that because I 90% like this episode. Okay. I think there's basically one scene that doesn't work for me, but everything else I thought was in some weird way, like a return to old Game of Thrones that we saw a couple of seasons ago. Um, it, you you have a lot of characters playing some games here, which is what I love about Game of Thrones. Yes. Um, I think that they are definitely hearkening back to that. And mm-hmm. after the Night's King's dalliance, they wanted to get back to the human drama. And I actually, uh, when I, you know, keep in mind, declared fan bankruptcy and I've got a fresh <laughs> slate of, I got to clean, clean the slate. Uh, I thought, and then putting aside that this wasn't the story I wanted them to tell, um, I'm like, I think they're doing a pretty good job of telling the story that they want to tell. But the glaring exception is these guys just really don't know how to stage. Yeah. It's stage the you're on ambush is it's, the biggest problem it's, in it's this the, episode. It's, but. The, it's the meeting in front of the walls of King's Landing. Like there's almost yeah. like walking level, walking dead levels of obtuseness about this is the set piece we set. Mm-hmm. logically giving everyone's motivations this is what would happen but it won't because either we're blind to the the scene that we have painted and the logical ramifications of it um or you know hell we just whatever and you know you see the problems you don't care yeah uh, yeah i, I mean uh, there's only three there's only two more episodes left fuck it like uh, right at times it does feel like someone you know a, a production crew or or let's say the the showrunners sort of just trying to get to the end of this thing like, like and, and being sort of halfway yeah. over it. But at times it feels like there are some truly great moments of writing sure. in here. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought a lot of stuff that happens is, and I really like the way that the, uh, the celebration at the beginning is filmed, the feast. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, it kind of puts you into that location in a way that I don't think I've seen in game of Thrones before. Uh-huh. It, it has like a looser feel to it. Yeah. I mean, name one 50 minute section of a show where people are just hanging loose and having fun. Yeah. I don't think it's uh, ever it, happened. It it sometimes approaches that during some other celebrations in the show, mm. but there's always this tinge, and I felt it here in this episode, this tinge of, oh, no, something is going to go wrong. There's mm. so much tension in those scenes. In this scene, other than, like, thinking, oh, maybe the gold company is going to show up knocking at the door any second now. Right. Uh, which while this, they're weak and vulnerable. Which this could happen. This show would pull Yeah, that. right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've definitely got a sort of red wedding. Mm-hmm. T- uh, this is all going to turn in a second. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that it doesn't happen on second watch, I'm thinking, like, man, they're just sitting back and enjoying their victory and how I many think that's notes important. does a bard get into the reins of cast even if you just played as a joke like even if it's just like a drunk northerner to put him up to it like no uh-huh. mate it'll sl- how many notes does he get into before he just full of uh, of crossbow bolts exactly two he gets like the first note then... the first note he gets the benefit of the doubt yeah. the second note he's full yeah. well, yeah. that's that's a that's a suspicious <laughs> note but let not second note fuck <laughs> yeah. you yeah yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, He's I can kill fisher. that bard in two notes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the uh, Westerosi version of that game show. It's, it's 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 too bad because like you know the one the B side, uh, Baron of Maiden Fair has a song that has the first three notes mm. of the Reigns of Castamere. But you, you know, gotta steer clear. I, I can't I mean, this blame is not the time. I can't blame him for being jumpy in Winterfell, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, 
So yeah, there, there's a lot of good stuff with Sansa and Daenerys. I, I don't know what you mean when you say this is not the story that you wanted them to tell, but well, I think... Look, I you you guys heard my preview podcast where I said, boy, gee whiz, I hope they don't do this bullshit thing with J- Danny goes to war with John because she's jealous about him being king of the North. Like, that was the one thing I'm like, I really hope they don't do that. And even in episode one, I'm like, oh, I think they're going to... So, like, I can't now lie and be like, oh, yeah, yeah this yeah. is... I am mm-hmm. full... I'm, I'm 100% behind it. And like what Kim said last week in the spoiler, it is kind of thrilling to just not know what the fuck is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, even then, I think they are not doing themselves any favors in certain scenes trying to tell the story like they're so good at some of the stuff they're so good at some of the stuff and um it just makes the stuff that is lackluster kind of stand out sure especially since that's the like the stuff that like they're really wanting the eyeballs like look at Mm -hmm. this fucking ship with a crossbow half its size mounted to the bow how cool is that and it's got like suckers on the arms of the ballista because it's Greyjoys, and it looks so fucking cool and he's got all it's bristling with sails and we're shooting a dragon it's, it's a so fucking it's the death star trench run and it's like yeah but mm-hmm. you know sure yeah but you could have staged that scene better i wanted to thank um before we got started uh highway superstar uh-huh uh, on the podcast, we usually do this once or twice a season. Uh, if you don't know who he is, he's the guy who wrote the amazing uh, '80s send up of the Game of Thrones theme that we have opened up our podcast for like low these last four years. So, uh, if you would like to check it out, there's always, always, always a link to his SoundCloud profile at the bottom of our uh, every one of our Game of Thrones posts. Um, but uh, he was real cool, letting us use his theme. And yeah, it's uh, great great theme no i love it it's one of the things i, I think, think we have one of the hottest themes it's very distinctive all of West yeah. coverage there's, there's a lot of people and we, we a lot of people slicing the dice in the game of thrones theme and likes it lots of different arrangements and i'm i'm so glad he's able to uh or he was willing to let us uh adorn our podcast with it so thanks and check his check his SoundCloud pro sound cloud profile out before we get into the episode, I want to do some housekeeping. This is your last opportunity. You've been putting it off. Now is the the, the final the final countdown to the end of our 25% off both new and renewal memberships, annual memberships on the club at club.ballmove.com. Uh, you know, uh, you, you get the you, you get you got a few hours left to get it if you're hearing this now, so check that out if you want to lock in those savings. Also, uh, celebrating Game of Thrones, we're continuing to do our Super Serious Film Fest Fantasy Edition on Wednesday. We have a little movie called Dragonheart, starring an animated dragon voiced by Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. We have both the podcast, uh, the enhanced video podcast on YouTube.com slash BaldMove, uh, as well as a live watch where we actually watch it with you if you're a club member. Uh, there's a little little show came out that you're probably familiar with if you're if you watch a lot of HBO and you probably do Chernobyl, which is a do- uh, kind of um, a dramatization miniseries about uh, the immediate aftermath of the disaster of Chernobyl. I watched the first hour of it last night and it is amazing. Uh, Jim and I uh, kind of like this the science, uh, political, uh, sociological disaster type of topic, and we're going to be co- talking about it on Wednesday. Thursday, Detective Pikachu comes out, and for some reason, we're going to review it. Uh, we're being put up. We're being put up, uh, put to it by our wives and lovers. Uh, but we will talk about Detective Pikachu on Thursday. Uh, oh, got results. Does your wife know about your lover? <laughs> Shh. 
She listens to this podcast. Edit this out. Oh, sorry. Uh, also, uh, we I, last week I had a survey to help us select uh, the chapter to give away for Gods of Thrones, and I got the survey results, and it was Seeing Green, the chapter about uh, Stark spirit squirrels and supersized specimen. It's essentially the cultures and peoples of the North. It's a good one. Uh, I'm going, I've actually got that exported and I'm uploading it right now. There'll be a link to it in the show notes. And of course you can find all that on gods of thrones.com. Uh, also I will announce the winners on social media. I've contacted them, but I haven't heard back from them all. So, um, if they're cool with me sharing their names, I'll, I'll give them credit for that. Uh, finally, uh, pin Y pin dash Y.com is a site where we're housing our exclusive enamel pin designs, is a very limited edition house snow pin. There's only 15 left. Uh, jump on that at pin-y.com if you want uh, in on that. There's also a stairwood design of Brand's face on a weirwood uh, that's got some availability left as well. They're both very sharp-looking pins. So sharp you could actually probably poke your finger with them. Mm, careful. I mean, they're pins after all. Uh, check them out at pin-y.com. And finally, uh, there will be no Twitch stream on Wednesday at twitch.tv slash baldmove because Cecily and I finally have gotten a schedule conflict on that night. Uh, We'll be back next week, and if you just want to catch up on the action, there's plenty of uh, uh, videos to watch at twitch.tv slash baldmove, and they're all archived at youtube.com slash baldmove. Okay, let's get into the episode. We start with the survivors at Winterfell mourning their lost loved ones, and John gives a a big speech honoring them. A pretty powerful speech. essentially saying, you know, we, we are the memory of Westeros, or, or at least Bran. I expect him to look over at Bran at any moment. You got that? Mm-hmm. You got that? Because, you know, we're mere mortals. You got that memory thing going. Uh, yeah, just saying, remember all these people. Plus, he gets that, like, distinctively John Cadence in his voice that I always yeah. like. Like, that what the shields that got at the realms of men. Like, the realms of men. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so, I think it's really cool, and it's also fun to, like, just, like, start narrating your shopping list and that. No, at times it it approaches like we are going to require sh- a dozen egg, no. <laughs> like like a Shatner esque quality. Yeah, with the, the way little, he breaks up the dialogue. Yeah, like if he was born in the Highlands of Scotland, that's what that's yeah. what uh, James T. Kirk would sound like, <laughs> right? I definitely noticed it. Um, I really liked uh, Sansa slipping that direwolf sigil hairpin yes. into his armor, kind of like you know spiritually adorn. Um, Anointing Ram- uh, mm-hmm. not Ramsey Theon as a as a Stark in death. I thought that was great. Um, you know, I've I've said many times. I think Amelia Clark struggles with like, grief, but I think she really um, did a great job uh, grieving over Jorah and um, just seeing like the mountain of dead that they're they're burning. Kind of shows the the sacrifice mm-hmm. that uh, that's going to go on. Now they're going to undercut this later by saying it's only really half of everyone that died instead yeah. of like ninety seven percent, but. Um, that speech was great and it's all about, and it's very ironic in a bitter kind of sweet, well, I guess mostly bitter kind of way that, that, that John is given a speech that's, uh, a homily on setting aside your differences and working for the greater good and not for any kind of advancement or any, but just to protect people, mm-hmm. um, so that uh, give their lives so that others might live. Um, and yet the rest of the episode is going to be everyone flagrantly uh, forgetting all that and, and going. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think Varys thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. But, I, I mean, this is all just ripping this alliance apart, the rest mm-hmm. of the episode. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's It should be a moment of, like, oh, no, look how fucked up Ghost got. And I bet, like, 
it would be great to see John sort of nursing Ghost's wounds right. and, you know, treating him like the loyal direwolf pup uh, mm-hmm. that he's been the whole time. Mm-hmm. But we, we're not going to get that this episode. No. So seeing Ghost in his first scene, I'm like, yes. And then by the end, I was like, oh. So Poor remember Ghost. when I was saying all that thing about, like, if we only see 30 seconds of Ghost, we riot. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I guess I'm too big of a pussy to riot. Next episode is all Ghost. It's all Ghost? All Ghost, yeah. No, what, what you're going to find out is... Uh, uh, John actually cut off Joe's ear as a memento, and uh-huh. he's going to have it on his, his belt to remind him of. That's, that's it's, how it's he misses the thing ear. that's keeping him alive now. Is the, <laughs> yes. that severed ear? Yes. Uh, so we move over to this feast that they're having in Winterfell with half their army dead. I guess there's so much food uh, that they can just you know chow down, uh, really enjoy themselves. Yeah, I mean, just so many less mouths to feed. Absolutely, like roll out the wine and the the mead and the ale and. The finest cuts of mutton. Uh-huh. Chops of mutton. I don't quite know how to cover the scene because, like I said earlier, it 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 sort of just roams around and you feel like you're uh you're just a spectator at this feast, sort of going between groups, right? Yeah. Like flitting through the crowd. I, I'm right? fine with just going from group to group if you I mean it'd probably be quicker or, or however you want to do it, man. Okay, well I I'm just gonna take it sort of uh, piece by piece here. Like, it won't be in particularly chronological order, but okay. close. So, Danny makes Gendry an official Baratheon, as well as the Lord of Storm's End. All right. Stop there. Yes, this is uh, important. Wh- what, how do you grade her politics on this? Uh, I think she is playing an excellent game here. Really? Yes. However, I think if you look at... <laughs> so, the thing... There's been something about Danny this entire series... Mm-hmm. That has been sort of sticking in my craw with mm-hmm. her. And I finally think I understand that it is just her demeanor in general. Because in this scene, she's doing something that is great, you know, and, and should ingratiate her to everyone. And she only gets about halfway there because she starts this off mm-hmm. with fear. I mean, she's playing this card of, I am a fearsome woman. Uh, I am potentially able to smite you any right. second I choose. For some imagined slight from the past that you had nothing to do with. Right. And she plays that card at the beginning of this, right. and it doesn't feel right. It's very Joe Pesci. Am I a clown? Yeah. Or am I amusing absolutely. to you? Like he's, she's, it's, but she it does this a, in every single interaction she has yeah. with anyone other than maybe John. Yeah, and Sans that she tried to butter. And she did that with John at the for first. For like the first couple. Of, yeah, you're right. Um, it is a flaw. And I, so my, my grading of her politics is like, okay, because it's, it's, it's tough to say because the Northern are a fractious uh, lot prone to take offense about anything. But I think her rewarding a Southern bastard with a Southern title at this feast where it's like honoring the the, the largely Northern um, sacrifices um, and, and Essosian sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird. Like, I think... Um, Maybe she should have started with like uh, looking at the north. Like, there's a couple. You know, we know that the sure. last hearth is is. Could we give that to a wildling, or at least offer it to them? Could we give it to a northern lord, like so, like a lesser lord, or a, I, I just felt like it was odd. But then again, I th- started thinking like, how could Danny do that 
without pissing off the northerners because if she starts slicing and dicing giving the away their lands and, yeah. and giving away to people that like maybe not everyone's sure about it's mm-hmm. like oh this is that guy's second cousin to ramsey bolton you know why like I, the, you know the answer is they probably should have talked about this before the feast or like hey i want to mm-hmm. give i want to give you know there's a couple clear heroes here we gotta we gotta butter their bread so everyone else knows it's coming but clearly this was just a lark that she did well, it's it's a very calculated one. It is, um, which, which is what I like about it. It seems ca- it, it, it seems unfortunately calculated to shore up the maybe the places she'd already be strong in. Mm. Um, you know, like yeah. like the Targaryens were never that popular up north, um, and the North has really never been popular with anybody except themselves. So. Sure, I, I think it's also just a demonstration of general generosity, right? Mm-hmm. Like she she wants these people to see her in a new light and see that if they are loyal to her, they'll be rewarded. Mm-hmm. So I think. Like, yes, it may not be the perfect gesture here, but it is one that I think, you know, despite her demeanor at the beginning of it, goes a fair bit of a way to say this this woman will this queen will help the people yeah. if she's given the opportunity. And, you know, the North is not just going to accept her because she gives a fucking castle to some bastard. Sure. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. It's just all about building like. But it, it, it you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Right? When there's bad blood, you have to start building like a, 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 a string of successes, like a string of pearls. You know, like it's got to start. It's got to start the first pearl. You yeah. know, and the, usually it's a person that's kind of in a position of strength that has to offer that. Uh, a Tyrion thought it was a good political move. Sansa was pissed. Dude, I, I love this. This is what I mean when I say this kind of harkens back to Game Game of Thrones of yeah. yesteryear. This yeah. is this is characters being uh, you know familiar with the game uh-huh. and and using the things that they've learned in the past to inform their future decisions and like. You know, Sansa is not this little bird anymore. No, she's she I, is a, a under the tutelage of Littlefinger for the longest time, mm-hmm. and now she is essentially Littlefinger with more of a heart, probably. Right, she's uh, just more of a moral center. She's I know yeah. I put her right on par with Varys, probably above Tyrion right now. Because oh, yeah. Tyrion just yeah. uh, is his. Uh, I mean, he he telegraphs in this episode like he's not he's abandoning his better judgment in favor for loyalty, and and at least that's what what he said. So. Uh, yeah, I do wonder. They don't make it explicit, and right. if they were going for it, they probably would have. So maybe this is not intended. But I do wonder if Tyrion is aware that Sansa, because in this scene, Tyrion take note, takes note of Sansa taking note right. of what Danny does yep. and the strategy behind it. Mm-hmm. So later on, when Sansa goes, "Oh, by the way, you know, my brother is actually the the ruler, rightful ruler of the Seven Kingdoms," like he's got to think in the back of his mind. Why is she telling me this? And it's not just out of some sense of loyalty, he, or right. he shouldn't assume that. Right. So I think Tyrion is a little bit off his game if he doesn't get that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So Davos tries to come to terms with Melisandre's prophecy by chatting with Tyrion. I don't know. It he he seems to have, you know, some regret over the idea that he was looking to kill her, and that she helped. Well, I mean, yeah, like the what the fuck, like. I, like this has been a long, arduous journey with prophecies and right. the Red Woman and like right. Davos. Man, right. where's his head at? <laughs> right. Um, no, it's like uh, it's. I have sympathy for a guy who's like, this is a bunch of bullshit. This religion. This person's a charlatan and she's evil. And then turns out, oh, actually, everything she said is true. She yeah. had a kind of the show wants us to believe instrumental, um, you know, part in bringing about the end of the long night, like. That would, I mean, it'd be like me coming to grips with the eye, like an inconvertible proof that there is 
like a Judeo-Christian omniscient, omnipotent God, mm-hmm. that would be that would be a that would be a real mind bender for me to, to to wrap my head around. So like I I get it, man, I get it. Uh, but is this also this 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 uh, is the underline for like the slower members of the audience? Hey, this is what we're dealing with the, uh, going forward. We we dealt with them. Now it's just us mm-hmm. and uh, problems that uh, <laughs> we can have, which in my opinion are far more interesting. Sure. Uh, then Tyrion admires Bran's wheelchair and his lack of desire. It's a hundred twenty year old design. You probably aren't familiar with it. Yeah, made it from reclaimed uh, salvaged driftwood from <laughs> uh, White Harbor, and it's been responsibly sourced from uh, only uh, weirwood branches that have fallen off the tree. Uh, yeah, he's very yeah. full blown wheelchair hipster here, for sure. <laughs> uh, so Danny's pretty dismayed with how much the North loves the Starks. Um, and maybe more specifically, Tormund loves the Starks. He's really fawning over John here. Uh, so she leaves the party and very. I think follows. Tormund does have a, a no shit crush on Jon Snow. It seems like it. Yeah, yeah, uh, has a man crush on him. Sure, it's, he talks a lot about how uh, shit. What was the what was the sportscaster in Ron Burgundy? Like you know, whenever he's in his cups mm. and he's like, I just I just missed your Musk. I missed your. It's like okay, yeah. Uh. There's there's actually this is beyond bro. There's there's a romantic component <laughs> here. I saw him ride the dragon. No, I saw him ride yeah. the dragon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's it's a really funny scene, and just the way he's sloshing his his it's, beverage. Yeah, the, and the like, horn of ale is going uh, everywhere. It's, so it's great. So good. Okay, uh, Brienne, Jamie, Tyrion, and Pod are playing a drinking game, which eventually leaves Brienne embarrassed about being a virgin, uh, and Jamie follows her as she sulks off to her room. Um, it's interesting because when I like that shouldn't be like okay. Um, I don't know for this universe should it be shocking that Brienne an unmarried no. Uh, uh, high-born lady would be a virgin. Like, I don't isn't think so. that the like? Mm. I, I'm trying to think like what the showrunners are saying. Like, there's the expectation everyone kind of kind of like the expectation of knighthood is no no one really observes that. Mm-hmm. So like, or that was was a surprise. Like Jamie and Tyrion thinking, oh well, yeah, she's a knight. She's probably who gives a sh-, you know. And also, we kind of expect the the if we're really being honest, all the lords and ladies are probably having little dalliances mm. and whatnot. Like, yeah. Um, that it was weird for this. Uh, it'd be like uh, you know going to puritanical, like early America, and someone being like, yeah. "Oh, you're a virgin? What the fuck?" You know, it's like, "Well, aren't we all supposed to be?" Like, none of us are <laughs> married. What's going on? Yeah, fair. Uh, I I really love drunk Tyrion. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just I don't know something about what Peter Dinklage is bringing in the acting really does it for me. He's just like a wild beast in the, when he gets drunk. Yeah. And, and he's living it up he's and having a time. Wild. I yeah. like him and Jamie uh, teaming up together to, like, uh, uh, wall off Tormund from advancing. Oh, on yeah. That, that's the other part of the scene. Tormund sort of bemoans his lost love to the Hound and immediately finds another woman to keep him company. So he, yeah. he kind of gets over it pretty quick. But, yeah, I, it's it's a it's a funny moment between him and Jamie because Jamie doesn't say much she's just you know and hats off to Tormund for not for not being a, di- a dick about it like hey the woman rejected you uh move on none of his friend zone shit he does talk about how like Jamie came up and stole her and oh I'm like, sure dude you never had you, you can't yeah yeah you know that's, Brand it's, never he, had anything for you he's thinking thoughts aren't treason mm-hmm. uh, uh but his line uh which one of you cowards shit in my pants yeah. is <laughs> hilarious so good, so good. Uh, so Pod ends up with, I think, the Hound's girl. 
Did you see he actually he hooked up there in, in the whole background of him and Santa talking, Pod is hooking up a threesome. Yes. He's got his lady and he's like, hey, I think he took, yeah, the, right. took the hounds, rejected lady, yeah. 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 Uh, and he's he's off. The legend grows. It sure does. Probably also, to try one of those Miranese knots, if I had to guess. Also, we talked about this on our lunch uh, with the club members, but it came to our attention that there are female fans grabbing this poor kid by his, his junk. Yeah, fuck that. For, for photo ops and stuff. That's... Hands off Pod's Rod, yeah. right? He's he. This is a character he plays. Even if he was the character he played, it's still not cool to come up and no. grab someone's dick. All right? Can we just, like, keep our hands for ourselves at these fan guns? Is that too much to ask? Please. Yeah. All right, so the Hound tells Sansa that she could have avoided all of her sorrows if she had left King's Landing with him, but she kind of takes the opposite view. She believes all those sorrows have made her stronger, made her into the person she needed to be to be Lady of Winterfell. Yeah, it's um, it's too bad that she like. I mean, I I see why she says that, but like, there's this idea that you have to have like you know abuse and trauma to be like a strong tempered person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think she's been listening too much to Bran. Yeah, he's probably been saying that. Like right. everything that's happened has brought you here. It's brought you to. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's 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 great. I mean that's that's a great way to. That's a good survivor speak, I guess. It's just like you know. Um, I don't want anyone to think that they have to be put through the meat grinder like she did and to, to be a competent leader or to be a person who has worth in this world. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, like I thought it was like the, the, the fact that like the Stark girls are the ones that make the hounds like smile, I mm-hmm. think is interesting, but it's also frightening because it tells you uh, like to reach his level of like, you know, mirthless black humor. They had the, all the things that they had to go through. Um, mm-hmm. but it's left them able to communicate with him in a, a unique way. Yeah, I would say they have one of the few or two of the few connections to the Hound. Mm-hmm. He has very little connection with anyone. Uh, there's he does say there's one thing that he wants, and he doesn't say what it is. He said it's none of Sansa's business. You think I, there are two possibilities in my mind? One, it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Got a we got we got a confrontation with the mountain. Hopefully coming up. There's a button for this, Jim. No, no, there's no button. Today. There's no button. Uh, well, it's still broke. There, there is, but it, it's not going to come through on this. Oh, Jesus thing. Christ! The button's only working when we're to get we're, we're alone. I'm starting to think it's, I'm being <laughs> gaslit here. It's a figment of my imagination. Uh, the Clegane Bowl, we call it. Yes. Uh, you, well, mm, you said it. You said it. I think if we say it two more times, it's going to be real. Okay. Uh, and the other thing is possibly death. Yeah. I, I mean. I, I could see the hound just wanting to be done with it, you know. I think his unfinished business in the capital in a later mm-hmm. scene shows where where I he's agree. where he's where he's wanting this to go. Uh, but I don't know if he cares too much about the outcome. I don't know. Maybe they'll subvert our expectations by not having it happen at all. <laughs> Maybe the hound will slip on a bridge. Uh, there's a little uh, his his horse, the stranger, will slip on a piece of mossy stone. <laughs> Uh, into a, tim- tumbling into a creek and his, of course his armor is going to keep him from oh, being able true. to effectively swim we saw that with Jamie, and there's going yep. to be no brawn to jump in and save him mm-hmm. Arya can't pull him out of there expectation subverted <laughs> uh, I, I do like there's another you know bit of good writing here with the, these little bird callbacks mm-hmm. um, and it's they're, they're, it's kind of sprinkled throughout this entire episode with just nice little callbacks and, and really good uh, dialogue so then Gendry finds Arya and tries to use his new title to woo her into marriage. Arya says she's never been a lady and refuses his proposal. 
Yeah, I mean that 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 is essentially the the payoff to the scene with Namiria where she realizes that Namiria is not going to she's been a wild direwolf, you know, running rough <laughs> shot on all the Freys and Lannisters in the Riverlands, uh killing whom she wants. Like she's not going to want to curl up beside a fire on, in Winterfell beneath Arya's feet and yeah. Arya is the same way. Like she doesn't like what he she, I mean, she could teach Gendry to be a lord, but then she'd have to be his lady, and she doesn't want to sit around doing needlepoints and wearing frilly collars and all that shit. Yeah. Um, I don't know what... She's like, got a different point. I, I do wonder, you know, what she what she wants for herself. Like, if she is able to kill Cersei or all the, all the things, all the rights are wrong, because she also talks a lot about, hey, we're family and we owe things to each other. Like, what does she feel her obligations are towards you know, the family. Like, if, if if all the enemies were slain, is there a place for her anywhere? Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, I don't know. I'm not even sure she knows. Yeah. It seems right now she's pretty focused on the one mission she does have currently, which is to kill Cersei. Right. Because there's certainly, you can find pairings of lords and ladies in Westerosian history that are very unconventional. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think that, um, especially post the long night where there's so many people dead and there's so many lords and ladies, there's going to be so many, uh, <laughs> there's going to be so many people that are like, kind of like Novu nobility that mm-hmm. don't know how to act. Like, I feel like this is a time where you could really fly your freak flag pretty high if you wanted to be, you know, wear leather pants and stab people and get in pirate and, adventures and yeah, fulfill right. assassin contracts and uh, as long as you came home every couple of months and, and, and warmed Gendry's bed, if you so desire. Like, I think that you could work out something like that is what I'm saying. Here's my... I think Gendry'd be open to that? Yeah, I think so. Not an open relationship, like an open to killing people relationship, an open yeah. to adventure relationship? I... My, my biggest question around Gendry as Lord of Storm's End is who the fuck is going to live in his castle? What do you mean his castle? Storm's End? St- yeah, Storm's Why? End. I don't... <laughs> like, I, I assume, assumingly, at like half the people on this continent are dead. Oh, I see He has saying. no, like, family that he is going to, like, maintain or live in this castle with him. Like, what is, what is the in, castle with Gendry yeah, at he, the head look like? He falls into the wrong maester and wrong Castilian. They just rob him blind, and yeah, it's a cautionary yeah. tale. It's like those uh, football players that get the multi-million dollar right. contracts and then fall into the wrong people, and it's like, where did my money go? I'm like, yeah, he needs to, he needs to have a, he needs to find some of the good head on his shoulders that yeah. he can trust. I wonder who that'd be. Uh, Davos. Bring Davos with you. Yeah. Davos could get Come it Come on, done. old man. I need you to be my Castilian, and yeah. you essentially, you, you got a good gut. You say yay or nay on all the people that I need to run this castle. And he's great at uh, establishing relationships with other lords and ladies. So. Maybe that's one of the spinoff ideas. Let's be Gendry, misadventures, and running storms in. It's there like you go. It's like a fucked up Downton Abbey. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. All right, we move over to Jamie entering Bran's room to end this game that they started, and he also ends up entering her as well. Very sexy scene. I, this is what I wanted to see. So, like, I got mm-hmm. no criticisms with this. Like, yeah. my only minor criticism is the idea that, like, maybe Jamie and Brienne have to get inebriated to work up the courage to do it. Like, that was a little odd. Like, what does that say about Jamie? What does that say about Brienne? Uh, but, you know, it's it's kind of um, 
kind of par for the Westeros course. That I, I think it's more of like I don't know what what is the deal with that. Well, I mean, let's not criticize it. Let's praise it. I, I think this is a a great scene, and I think there's a lot of so. I, I think this is a weird situation for both of them. Yeah, because. Jamie probably has some residual feeling for Cersei. Sure. Uh, this is a rebound. Which right. Is dangerous. He's, he's about to take this woman's virginity, which is which she's big, willingly yeah. going to give him. I right. mean, it's not like weird or anything, but, right. you know, it's a big moment for Brienne. Right. Uh, they share some kind of connection which hasn't been physical in the past. Like, this, mm. is, this is a weird moment for and, both and of the them. And the way they best relate. Uh, is like the whole oh you're keeping it too hot in here piss off you know it's like they it's very how do you how do you how do you turn the corner to from that to yeah you know? well Jamie's so fucking smooth in this scene yeah I mean for, you know I guess that's what it's I thought, a it's little like, transparent with yeah. him going oh so so hot in here so hot in here but when like she's <laughs> she's talking about oh you you're sounding a little bit jealous and he's going. I do sound jealous, don't I? Yeah. Like, that's a really good line. Yeah, yeah. That's right. a damn good line, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's an embarrassment of riches. So I guess I'm only like, I, like uh, you know, obviously I consulted my fan fiction and it didn't go exactly <laughs> like that. So there was a little bit of kind of, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 but, but yeah, I, I was really happy uh, to see this happen. And of course, it just makes it all the worse Yo, uh, how this ends up at the end of the episode. Yeah. I feel so good like for Brian. Be careful what you wish for, fans, because they might do it and then yeah, subvert it. All right, Danny begs John not to tell anyone about his ancestry, as it will inevitably lead to him being chosen as the king. Uh, he says that he absolutely must tell his family, and Danny is pissed. So, a lot of people, I think, are assuming or, or reading into this and thinking John promised her he wouldn't say anything. I think the exact opposite happened, and he told her that he has to say something. Well, I think it was. I think this was an ultimatum that mm-hmm. this couple made, and John decided to not d- decided to violate it. Like yeah. she's like, no, she didn't say him an ultimatum, he for didn't sure. promise, and you know, he didn't say he was definitely going to, and she didn't say it was going to be right. She's like, look, I. He's like, we can live together. She's like, yeah, I told you how. Mm-hmm. This is the framework on which we can live together. Right. But I mean, it is. Uh, I mean. It's so crazy because, like, you know, there are there are excuses for all of this. It's just frustrating for me that Sa- that that Danny, after all she's been through, is just nakedly jealous of the fact that John is loved by his people more than she is. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be so weird. Like, what? Like, if the Dothraki or and the Unsullied were like putting John on their shoulders and huzzah huzzahing him, and she's yeah. like, oh, people have plenty of people looked at me this way, but none over here. Like, well, no shit. What have you done besides kick their ass in a field of fire and burnt their leaders to death and a shocking display, apparently, of Westerosi barbarian barbarianism? Like, mm-hmm. read Fire and Blood, Danny. Like, <laughs> read your own family's history. You have to do a little bit of, uh, of taking people's shit and of glad handing and of building alliances and i but she is young she is inexperienced and this is a theme for her that she doesn't broke uh anybody sharing her power or even trying to get on that level with her so like it's it's not unfair it's just again this is not the story i would have preferred to see yeah i mean she definitely comes across in this scene and many others as entitled or feeling entitled you know it's it T- Tyrion says it you know she was born essentially with these dragons and she came out of the fire with them and like how could she not believe in destiny right and how could that not make her feel a little bit entitled also sure. yeah uh and that's the thing that always puts me off on Danny is just mm-hmm. how entitled she 
she is. She doesn't feel like she needs to earn anything, right? Because she has everything that makes her the rightful queen. No, I didn't like. I was I was watching this episode like when when Varys said the first time like, well, maybe you, maybe maybe you shouldn't find the people that want to be king to make them king. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was like thirteen or so, I read his Ray Bradbury short story about like a science fiction future where essentially like all the government decisions are invested into a single person and that person like like every time like when you become 18 like you take this rigorous like psychological profile and intelligence tests and all that stuff and it's like staved mm-hmm. and then like people are drafted to become this person for like one year and you don't get a choice they just like come to your door and like yep you are going to be the person that makes all decisions because we've screened you and you're in and also one of the screening is the person really doesn't want to be that mm-hmm. so like I've always thought, like, boy, uh, these ele- way, the way we do elections, which is essentially like 18-month-long celebrity fawning fests, puffing up people's ego, getting a bunch, like, hundreds of millions of dollars is, like, the way to elect a sociopath to be. Yeah. The, and, and so, like, I kind of – it seems obvious from my way of thinking that John would be the better king. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they, I agree with. They both have the destiny. Varys, they both yeah. have the miracles. They both have the uh, long history of saving people. But – Danny adds a level of like almost, um, you know, like divine right mm-hmm. that John, like even this thing when 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 Tormund's trying to put that on his shoulders, like oh you you even got murdered, you wouldn't stop. He's like, well, I, you know, I didn't have any say about that. Like someone else brought me back. I didn't like will myself to open my eyes. He does, and I I don't know. I, I I feel like in my perfect Game of Thrones, if they wanted to go this path, I would be scratching my head about like, oh, Danny's got her, and but John's got her, and and I don't know who I'm rooting for, but I'm on Team Jon Snow. Yeah, I mean it's Jon's humility, honestly, that wins the day. Like right. I I don't want someone who is full of themselves. The man knows nothing. He doesn't even know how great of a leader he is. Like, yes, yeah. it's, it's great. Yeah, I I think so. Um, but we'll see. We'll. I guess we'll see what happens with Danny and what choice she ultimately makes, but it it doesn't bode well in this episode. Yeah. Um. So Danny's forces tally their losses. Uh, they're now on even footing with Cersei. Danny's losing patience, and everyone does what they can to keep her from burning King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plan becomes to conduct a siege of King's Landing and show the people that Cersei is their true enemy. Uh, Sansa suggests they give their armies time to recover, but Jon sends them anyway. And they'll march the armies down the King's Road, and Danny will head to Dragonstone. And Jamie will remain in King's Landing as a guest. Yeah. Um, so here's a scene I think is the, uh, one of the weaker parts of storytelling. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's a stronger part if you want to think that Danny's just a pig headed idiot. But like literally every one of her advisors, every one of them are saying that your enemies grow weaker by the moment um, and you will grow stronger if you have some patience and like maybe we can get this guy from Dorne to pledge. And she's like, no, no, no. And she actually says the complete opposite. She like sums all of her counsel and says the complete opposite. Uh, The longer I leave my enemies alone, the stronger they become. And I that is profoundly frustrating. It's mm-hmm. like to go around and have every one of your advisors say, and then the person on top says, nah, I'm going to reject your reality and substitute my own. That is super, super frustrating. Yeah. Um, and John kind of like, I feel like there is a point here where John could maybe push back a little bit and been like, come on, you know, like this isn't just Sansa wanting. And Sansa had a perfect, like when she's like, oh, you're just dragging your feet. I'm like, no, I'm not like, yeah, half of your armies are supermen, super soldiers, and never hunger or tire, apparently. But the Dothraki don't like that's they're just 
you know, that they're just dudes and like all of my people are dudes and they need to sleep and eat and rest. Um, and what's yeah. so funny is like when they roll down the King's Landing, Kyburn throws this into Tyrion's face. Mm-hmm. Like our troops are well rested and ready to go. And you're, te- you're a bunch of ragtag marching on their bellies, dumb fucks. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, Kyburn's got you dead to rights. Yeah. I feel like that was bound to happen anyway with how far they have to march. Uh, but it does take place in the course of a single episode so right. maybe it wasn't so bad right uh the, the other slightly disappointing thing here uh is to find out how many people they have left after the battle with the night king the dothraki especially yeah it shocked me to to hear that they would have even footing with cersei like like there's like the way that the, the, the whoever the dothraki cal is now that's like the leader of the forces the way he kind of like goes and like with a shame face takes half as i don't think you're ashamed that you that 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 you lost half your men. I think you're ashamed that you're actually hiding the losses. Like you know, like he's he's trying to pull a quick one. Like we only lost half our dudes too. I saw four <laughs> guys ride back from that. I saw uh, all lights extinguished. Four guys rode back from that. Yeah, and one ghost. Four out of twenty five thousand or whatever. <laughs> one of them was Jorah. <laughs> is 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 more than half or uh-huh. is less than half? I yeah. But again, that's what I'm saying. Like. The story itself is not so bad. They're just doing a bad... Like, at the end of that episode, yep. last episode, we both thought that, mm-hmm. like, this is, like, a 90%... This is a Pyrrhic, Pyrrhic victory. This is a 90% loss type of situation. And now it's half, and it just so happens to be they're now on even footing with uh, King's Landing. That's... Yeah, a little frustrating. Yeah, you hear the click-clack of the keyboards when you... When you, when you, when you uh, of, the, of the people writing the scenes when you start to hear stuff like that. Yeah. So Sansa and Arya take John aside to sort of interrogate him on his loyalty to Danny. Uh, John defends his decision, uh, reminding them of his oath that he made to Danny. When Arya calls, uh, John, you know, includes him in being one of the last of the Starks. John decides to tell them both about his ancestry and makes them swear never to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. I Oh, so you're only half a Stark like we thought all along. Ah, oh, this changes everything. <laughs> no, I, I love this scene, yeah. though. It's, it's, there are very small moments in here that make it just delicious to me like when john you know she calls him last of the starks and john just kind of yeah bows his head and then looks over bran this is where this my dad bran's just like it's your choice you know it's it's like i I don't know i just think it's a perfect line and then when Arya steps in to try to convince him no we love you john you are actually a stark yeah you are as much stark as we are knowing what we know like those lines are so good yeah um, I thought it's interesting Arya's middle position of like respect for Danny, but like she she respects their sacrifice, but doesn't value it enough to respect their commitments as an ally. It seemed like like what? Yeah, and then not not so much that he would that they would put uh, her over the family. It's just so weird because everyone acts like marriage alliances aren't a thing that has ended many, many a war mm-hmm. and countless squabble in this kingdom. And uh, but uh, that's the other part of the story that I don't. Uh, well, that I feel t- like they're, Tyrion they're not, doesn't. They're not telling a good enough job. Is the fact that I think Danny and John just are have the classic. Oh, I just found out you're my aunt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like like oh this bit, is yeah. it's, it's it's like it's just gross the thought of it. And I don't, does that feel realistic to you? 
I don't know. I mean, that's not nearly as much of a thing in the North as it is a Targaryen thing, right? Well, I'm not talking about the incest. I'm just saying, like, in real life, if, like, uh, you found out that, like, these people were dating and they're in their 20s and they're through, like, one of them was adopted, kind of like exactly, and the other person's from another country, and they come together and, like, they're dating six months and then someone comes in and says, like, oh, actually, we looked at the... Uh, the 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 bir- and you guys are are totally like aunt and and uh, nephew. Like, does the average person be like, oh Jesus Christ, this changes everything I think about this person? Or do they are they like, well, that was information I could have used a long time ago. But like, especially since Danny said I can't have children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe I'm like a little bit too libertine, but like I don't. Maybe you that just seems like keep. an inhuman reaction to be like you're in the middle of like kissing this person you're passionate in love with, and just the thought that like ah, oh. and it's not like you know Danny's not committed like the, you know she's not like 35 years older than him. It's like I I, I don't yeah. know I don't know especially since everyone's taught everything has taught me that like this thing is not seemingly a big a taboo especially amongst targaryens i thought it was Mm -hmm. weird i thought it's weird that that seems to be the thing that's really you know they almost got together and it's just like ah your kid i can't your your lips taste like aunt (laughs) your lips taste like nephew i i is well Tyrion Tyrion doesn't seem to think it's a huge problem because he's trying to pair them up anyway right and and Varys is the whole time like oh but Jon's from the north and he's like okay yeah so so Varys is making a big deal Tyrion is not I'm I'm not really sure where they're trying to come down on that with the show because Danny and and Jon haven't really discussed it Mm -hmm. right like there are some looks that they're giving and broke off I think that was like but it they, could also be the tension of just like who's yeah, going to rule like yeah. we've got a big problem to solve here and we can't keep doing this until we figure the it out. The only reason I think it's the personal revulsion is because it's brought up with Tyrion and Varys when they're discussing like that was yeah. like the well it's like uh, they don't do want to get married now they know their aunt and nephew like mm-hmm. okay I mean I, I don't know I thought that's uh, of all the things I thought would split Danny and John apart I know there was a couple people that emailed last well what if they find out their aunt and I'm like well come on like this is Westeros. This is a completely different way of looking at it. They didn't know Danny can have kids. Like that's the whole, you know. If you look at the foundational reason for why there's a taboo about how, uh, you know, like aside from all the power disparities and abuse of like trust and uh, and uh, there's it, it, which don't apply in this situation. It's all about you know essentially genetic diversity. If you mm-hmm. fuck your brother and sister all the time, then you're gonna breed yourself out of existence essentially. I, I since I thought the whole Danny being barren was them being like green light for incest kids. I don't I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh we move over to Tyrion ribbing Jamie about being with such a tall woman before the brothers part once again. Uh but Bronn shows up and threatens to kill them both until Tyrion offers him High Garden. He accepts and he leaves, saying he'll find them when the war is over. It's He's not f- coming to fight with him. Pretty funny scene in the kind of Quentin Tarantino way, just like Braun yeah. Mr. Wolfing them both and like I've been breaking noses for a long that's time. Right, and that's not what it sounds like. Yeah. Um It's great. I, I really like this scene. What is it what is what purpose do you think it's serving though? It, it, I think Braun has some large role to play and some big decision to make yeah. here. Um like saying, you know, he's going to kind of be watching them. Right. I don't expect him to be too far from the battle when it goes down. Mm-hmm. 
I think Braun's got at least one more thing that he's got to do here. Mm-hmm. He's got to well, pick a side finally. And like, I think that it's telling that they're, that where he ends with, it's like, uh, my fighting days are over, but I still got a few killing days left. Like that, to me, is foreshadowing that he is going to make a, a impactful kill. Yeah. But the kills that he can make, like, I feel like there's seven levels of dibs on this shit. Th- there are, yeah. He's not going to kill Cersei. You know, like, like imagine like a Jamie and Arya and John and everybody is in like a, a race to kill Cersei and Braun pops out of the shadows and like floop mm-hmm. and like gives him a jaunty salute. And dis- like, that's not going to be no. cool. <laughs> no, but some people theorize that like it's lighting a, a fire in her Jamie's ass. Like, oh, Cersei wants you dead. I'm like, I, Jamie doesn't mm. need that. Jamie knows who Cersei is. Yeah, I didn't read into it at all. So uh, I don't know. Um, he's but the Lord of uh, the uh, High Guard, and I also think that's also interesting. And I wonder they're they're building so much of this stuff up. The fact that there's all these people that don't want the fuck they're doing, being becoming lords and ladies. I wonder if we yeah. are going to see some like scenes at the end because I mean, Bronn's right. Like the fucking you, do you know why the it's not called Lannister Rock? It's called Casterly Rock mm-hmm. because Land the Clever. Uh, fucked the Casterlies out of it yeah. way back when in the mist of time. Well, I like, mean, this is Bronn's plot in life. Bronn right. will forever be promised a slightly bigger thing that right. he sees as just enough to push him over the edge to switch allegiances. You know, right. like that is what Bronn is at his sure. core. He's a mercenary. But the pyramid scheme, scheme's got to stop somewhere, and I just feel like him being Lord but, of Highgarden is Well, this like, is why I love this yeah. scene so much, because he thought it stopped at River Run. He's like, what the fuck could you possibly offer me? Right. Double River Run. Get right. out of here. And when he says Highgarden, yeah. Bron goes, oh, shit, you're yeah, right. That's, that's Double River Run. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's easily math, Double River Run. That's actually a little bit better. I, I'm kind of confused as to why Jamie is so opposed to it, because... I don't know what special place in his heart River or sorry uh, High Garden holds. I think it's just his uh, upper class prejudice. Yeah, like you just a uh, uh, cutthroat will never be Lord of the Reach. Like again, a cutthroat was yeah. Lord of Castle Rock once upon a time, and that's right. why you're sitting on it, you asshole, or you ever sat on it, you asshole. So that's fair. Uh, but I think Tyrion knows Bronn better than yeah. Jamie, certainly. Uh, so then we move over to Arya joining up with the Hound, who's on his way to finish some business in King's Landing. Uh, neither of them plans on coming back. That's surprising. I'm really surprised that like Arya is still on like a suicide. But no, I mean there there are a few names on her list, and some are bigger than others. And like the biggest one of all, is Cersei. Still I don't know that she's on, on a suicide mission. I just think she doesn't see herself, you know, essentially oh. being a lady in Winterfell. Like not coming just the way she wouldn't be a lady in Storm's End. But she doesn't have like ah, Jesus. I guess I don't know. I mean, maybe the 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 idea that that Arya couldn't come back to Winterfell and be whatever kind of woman she wanted to be is amazing to me. Um, no, I think she could. Uh, but may, may, I, I just don't know Sansa that she wants would, to like settle down yeah. in this comfortable place. You know, <laughs> like but like never coming back. Never. She didn't say like oh, yeah, I'm never going to live here. Like I don't want to move in with my dad, but I do visit him regularly. You know, <laughs> like that's fair. like you're never coming back to the north. Why the fuck would you not ever want to come back? I don't know. I don't know, but I do love to see the Arya and Hound Roadshow back on. 
No, it's... That's one of the coolest things this episode did. Yeah, like, that's... Of all the entertaining traveling road shows we've had, like, you got Braun and Tyrion's up there, uh, but the Hound and Arya was very entertaining. Um, it's unfortunate, because I think this is all we'll see of the road show. Yeah. With all the time jumps that we had in this episode, they're already at King's Landing. The next time we see them, they're going to be on that, that, that hill that everyone stops on, the overlooks, yeah. you know, that, like, you know... Right. Overlooks King's Landing. For sure. I don't think we'll see much of it. Yeah. Is, eh. Bummer. It is what it is. All right. So Danny watches the they got, they, nah, they got to stop at an inn and eat every chicken in the room. They got five you think minutes so? to At least once. One, at least, one good yeah. scene with him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. So Danny watches the injured Rhaegal get back into the sky. And uh, he, he gets a moment to show off before his death. <laughs> <laughs> and then we move over to Tyrion trying to convince Sansa to cooperate with Danny. Instead, Sansa uses the secret that Jon told her to try to convince him that there's a better option. Uh, and this this just makes perfect sense. Like, of course, Sansa is going to try and get in, you know, dig her claws into the advisors of Danny, try and sow dissent amongst her ranks because she sees what Danny is doing, yep. trying to win over the people of these seven kingdoms out from under her. Uh this makes perfect sense. Plus, I, I think it's a great scene. Plus, I think it's super perceptive of Sansa to puzzle out that, like, you're afraid of her. Mm -hmm. Like, you're, uh, you know, I'm saying, like, okay, well, like, if, if we're going to be peaceful, John's going to be warden of the North. So, I, you know, like, they're going to be have a great relationship. And, mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, just, you know, why do you keep provoking her? And I'm like, that's exactly what, like, an abused person says about their lover around their friends and family. Like, why do you have to always provoke them? Like, yeah. well... Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying I want to kill her or I'm just like, I just, I just distrust this strange person that has these powerful mythical beasts that could turn on us at any time. Like she needs to build those string of pearls that we keep talking, that, that, that we've talked about. And I thought, I thought that was very perceptive of her realization that the Tyrion's afraid of her. Mm -hmm. Um, and that he is not afraid of John. He actually knows John a little bit. Right. He understands that he's probably the better choice, but I think Tyrion has a loyalty to Danny because that's kind of where he's placed all his bets yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, also, t the whole time I'm watching this, like, Tyrion's trying his best to, like, make a, a some kind of peace brokerage here. But all the time I'm like, I don't think Sansa respects you anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, you shit the bed on your analysis of the sister, and now you're trying to tell me how I should feel about my brother and his new girlfriend and how this feels and, and our position in the North when I just fought for it and won, like... You know, and he's this is he's old... not done making mistakes even in this episode. Yes, like yes. by the end of it, he's made yet another grievous error, yeah. uh, and and he he seems like he's lost whatever magic touch he had in right. early seasons. And he's like that's it's it's tragic because he is one of the few people that I think could have been an honest broker here, mm. but yeah. he. You know, he is afraid of Danny, and he does have a lot of private doubts. And he's also not only afraid of her, but he also knows that his leash with her is very short so like he can't even do what Varys did this episode which is a, like defy her her counsel and wisdom mm -hmm. like if she like she he so it, the one person that maybe could have like had an honest dealing with Sansa and John and is 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 hamstrung by his own mistakes his alleged loyalties to his family the fact that he's on the outs with Danny it's 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 tough yeah uh, Tormund takes, uh, tells John that he's taking the free folk back home. Uh, John asks Tormund to take Ghost with him, 
and Sam and Gilly tell John that they're having a child. Uh, and afterward, John just totally snubs Ghost. He ghosts Ghost. He does. It's it's really disappointing. Like, I want to say it's sad, but it's not sad in like the way that I think they intended. It's more sad that the writers didn't give John a moment, like a single moment with Ghost to say goodbye. I think it's worse than that. I think that the writers actually are using this as a way to show that John has utterly rejecting his northern heritage and his family in really? favor. Yeah, because he's his stated purpose of sacrificing ghosts is like, well, he won't be happy south, mm-hmm. so you need to take him up to north. And, you know, like, that is a huge... Like I said, if I knew a guy who gave up his puppy that he'd raised since he's a puppy that he, and again, putting aside the psychic bond that they have too, the fact that there's that they warg with each other. Uh, if I found out my buddy was uh, putting his dog up for adoption because he wanted to move in his girlfriend, his girlfriend said no dogs allowed. I, I, that's fucked up. I mean, I think, yeah, because it, not just because of what it says about the guy's relationship with the dog, and how willing, but also the fact that it says something about, I mean, I know Danny didn't put this as a condition, but like, hmm. I don't know. It seems it seems very. It, it's you're supposed to feel sad. You're supposed to feel let down because I do feel like narratively this is John reject. But I, I also don't think that that the showrunners or the writers maybe have they have never owned a dog because like that's like that's <laughs> don't this understand is a, the this race is a very strong statement you're making here yeah. about him like you know and and, and ghost is sitting there he's looking for a loan he's got his ear you know chewed off yeah. by some dead fucker. And John's going to not not. And the other thing is, like, I think they could have split the difference by the John, like, going and hugging Ghost and, like, maybe shedding some tears and them having a moment and, like, Ghost licking the tears. Like, they could have told this in a way that really doesn't make John seem like a fucking villain. Yeah, 100 percent. But they either don't know how how serious the relationship between people and dogs are or they really want us to think that, Dan, that John's a fucking asshole. Uh, they don't make it explicit here, but I assume that Sam and Gilly are headed back to Hornhill. Yeah, where else would they go? Yeah, I don't. I also don't know why the um, a lot of this, this was treated like final goodbyes. Yeah, and it it kind of bothered me because it feels like the characters know something we don't. Because in a in a in a just world that that Jan, John and Danny are trying to uh, construct, mm-hmm. it ain't nothing for Sam to visit from Hornhill or for the king and queen of the realm to visit. Uh, Hornhill, or yeah, yeah. So like, I think the only one that's probably a, a mostly permanent goodbye is Torment, right? But even then, like if you've got dragons and you can fly north of the wall and then see them, like that happens all the like literally all the time in Martin's world when when the Targaryens had dragons. That's one of the reasons mm. they're able to unite the realm because they could just jet around on these dragons and do these like you know diplomacy missions where it's like every year yeah. we're going to get around and talk to everybody, have dinners and feast with them and all that stuff, like. Why, after all the jetpacking we've seen and how small the realm is, relatively speaking, why are these people acting like after final goodbyes? Answer, well, it, it, this is probably the last time they're going to get a chance on film, so the writer's like, well, we've got to make it a moment. I, I, I want to give them some credit. Answer, they're going to King's Landing, possibly to die. Like, I mean, okay, yeah, right. Sam, you know, Sam saying goodbye to John as John is marching off to battle, I think is a sort of appropriate thing. Like, yeah, no, you're right. I actually, you're that's a perfect explanation. It's like you're, you're seeing your your friend or lover off to war. Yeah, you want to see him again. Yeah, but it's not might, nothing's but... nothing's get nothing's given. Yeah. All right, I retract all my. <laughs> that's that's uh, and, and I, I reject all my criticism and and replace it with your praise. All right, we go to the the boat to Dragonstone, where Tyrion and Varys discuss what to do with the information about John's ancestry. 
Varys believes the same thing Danny does, that Jon's desire won't matter when it comes to who rules the kingdoms. He will essentially be forced to be king uh, because the people will see him as such. It is so weird that Jon's given no agency in here because, like, I'm trying to think of a time where someone has put someone against, up to a rebellion against a crown and the person, like, steadfastly refused. Like, how does that even work? It's so weird with John though, because like every time he's been pushed forward in a direction, he's reluctantly followed it. Hmm. Like you know, when they made him king of the north, he didn't want it. He just that's who he needed he to be in that didn't moment. Take it from someone, you uh-huh. know. Like there's like yeah. I, I just feel like that if Varys thinks if Varys thinks that he can go to John and be hey, you know what, John, I've been really thinking about it. Turns out you're the better king, and Danny kind of sucks as a queen. She's crazy. Yeah, uh, like that the, 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 like, or if, or if they got a whole bunch of lords to pledge to John, and then they came to him with that deal, and so like, like that's at best an offer you keep waiting. That's the Omega plan that that you keep waiting in the wings. If if Danny does go mad, queen, like it's mm-hmm. not a ripcord you pull now, but like I feel like in in Varys's eyes, he's going to he's going to, like uh, it seems like he's going to plot treason. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two episodes left for him to be found out, discovered, and, you know, probably dealt with. And this was super exciting to me because it was sort of, you know, subverting my expectations, mm-hmm. which is uh, Tyrion and Varys will come together, right. have some moment of brilliance to save everyone in King's Landing. Now it appears they're pitting them against each other. But by the end of the episode, you kind of think Tyrion might move over to Varys' side. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got to know that this could certainly be the final straw for Danny. Yeah, but there's also, they're not, uh, you know, I just don't understand, I don't know. I I think that there's a lot of th- things that seem like, I like Varys is saying, oh, well, eight people know, well, that's no longer secret, it's an information, mm-hmm. and if this gets out, then, you know, the the queen's going to lose the north and the vale, um, their aunt and nephew, like, there are all these problems of things, and, and the fact that, you know, that this stuff that's true about Danny, she dislikes her authority being questioned and all that stuff. Um, it's, it is, it is all pretty good, but again, like, Varys, I don't know, like, Varys, like, like Tyrion points out later, how many kings have you served again? Is it five or is it six? Like, Varys knows how to sweep aside a king if it needs, if the, or a queen if it needs to be, so, like, why does he feel like it has to be now on the eve of another big battle? Like, like, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, and maybe, maybe he's not going, but like for this to be relevant to the plot, I figure he's going to have to like him feeling tearing out about how like that's appropriate. But I feel like he's going to go forth and start recruiting for the shadow government. And like, that seems very, very hasty. I I agree. Um, I think it still remains to be seen what kind of queen Danny is going to be, because despite some of her tendencies, she has not acted on them yet. Yeah, and I think that's important and crucial. She has listened to the counsel of her people for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeping her from doing the thing that she seems to want to do, the easy route here is just burn everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's resisted that impulse, and I think that's a, a mark in her favor right. as queen. However, this, like I said, this might be the final straw, losing Miss Andy. Um, and I think, like... Is Varys super worried here about just getting right back into the fucking War of the Five Kings? Like, is he just thinking, okay, well, Danny's going to replace Cersei and she's going to have to be fucking dealt with? I think he's just got a bright line of you can't kill innocent people. 
like like a, sure. I, and I yes, I 100 percent agree with that. But I'm I'm looking at like why would he? Indiscriminately, he's fine with killing like teenage girls and Essos when they're about to be married to a cow. Like like an indiscriminate death of like thousands and thousands of little folks since he himself was a little 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 folk before he ascended. I think that's his that's his bright line. Like I can't support a leader that would for any reason, especially when waiting six months can solve this. Now I do think the show is soft peddling like the effect of a siege on a city. Like uh-huh. um I mean we saw it in season two. Yeah, those people are not gonna have a good time. They're not and they're there's not people going to just starve gonna blame Cersei. And people are gonna get murdered and yeah. uh like if there is a civil war in the capital, that'll be but like it's probably be better than raining dragon fire from the sky. Yeah. I think less uh, people would die, sure. Yeah. So is it like kind of like are we debating whether we're, we're, we should drop the bomb on Japan here? Like, uh-huh. you know, like it's a it's an inhuman thing, but there's arguments on both sides. And like if you do a big cosmic scale, like a million people die here, six, you know, 10 million people die on the other. So I guess the one mi- – I, I don't know. I wish the show leaned even more heavily on that and really talked about the, pol- the politics of because I feel like that – it's kind of like when we talk about leveling sanctions against a despotic regime. It's like, oh, that's the civilized mm-hmm. thing to do. Well, you're start, you're essentially starving the people because it's not the uh-huh. despot that's going to be. He's still going to be eating prime rib and pineapple and all that shit. It's people starving, and yeah. your 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 best hope is they get so desperate that they de- depose him. That's yes. not nonviolent. It's maybe less sure. violent than an invasion or war, but. Yeah, I wish to show had a little bit more of that 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 uh, that real politic in there. Well, the the thing that I think I'm not communicating super well that i'm trying to get across is in my opinion varus sees this information about john as super divisive if danny is sitting on the throne to the realm like he understands that the ramifications in the realm are no one will accept danny as the legitimate leader if danny gets on the throne she's essentially going to start this war all over again the way that it was started when uh robert baratheon died right like this 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 cycle is going to happen again and so he's trying to prevent that by putting the person with the stronger claim on the throne in the first place the problem i guess the uh, The, the, or not even the stronger claim like that's i don't think that's what's entering his head it's the person that the realm will accept most what if stannis had just let rinley win like okay, well, I've got uh-huh. the stronger claim, but I actually, for the good of the realm, I'm going to pledge support because you're, you know, you're more charismatic. You're blah blah. Like the War of the Five Kings happened because all five people got in their head that like now's the time to rebel. Like yeah. I don't know the situation is analogous here because the one person you're not pinning totally. your hopes doesn't want it, and he'll he'll like sure, let the people but, love him and let him love and the people. Uh, but will, but someone they don't want has yeah. it like i i think that's yeah that's important too right the lords are going to not want danny on the throne yeah. if they see somebody else is having a more legitimate claim and if danny sits on it and there's someone with a better claim they're like well why the fuck couldn't i have it like yeah. if, if the person with the best claim is going to have it anyway let me go in there and, and take it i i don't know i think varus is reading the realm pretty well hmm. and and backing talking about backing the right horse we'll see what happens i mean there's one thing i i guess i if, if they're going to go that route, I wish to put a piece of dialogue where Varys is like, "Look, do you remember that 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 speech I gave about the shadow on the wall and where the real power resides? Mm-hmm. The only reason any of this works is because people do think when things are running properly, there's a succession, there's order, and if you start like just." dismissing better claims of this or that then what mm. what you're telling all the lords that 
even more yeah. than what because we all know that really the claim comes down to who's got the most armies who's of it but if you if right. you get that idea and like everyone starts believing it mm -hmm. then nothing will ever be stable again right um so yeah i don't know i i'm really curious to see what he does because i don't honestly see like a huge path forward for him to commit treason like what the hell is he gonna do yeah with who because we don't know like, like is he gonna poison danny is right he... and there, there's like there, there used to be like half a dozen lords that you knew that he could be conspiring with yeah. that like would be right but now like if he's like oh i rounded up the nephew of the dornish person and uh -huh. the third cousin of the tyrells <laughs> and, and, the, and they're a bunch of fresh-faced <laughs> doofuses yeah. that we've never seen before and uh -huh. they're they've got you like who gives a shit yeah. like uh, you're right. Like, how can he plausibly commit treason? It's not going to seem like it's uh, a jumped up, uh, uh, hasty plot. Right. Probably he's not going With to. With two episodes left, yeah. You're probably right. Okay, we move on to... Oh, well, it's it's sort of... Uh, part and parcel with the whole scene here. They arrive at Dragonstone. Danny's ambushed by Euron's fleet, who are sporting ballistas on their ships. They kill Rhaegal and destroy Danny's ship, leaving Grey, or all of her ships, actually, leaving Grey Worm, Tyrion, and Varys washed up on shore. Missandei is missing, much to Grey Worm's dismay. Yeah. This is easily the weakest scene of this entire episode. And it's a pretty weak scene yeah. just in general, not yeah. even in this episode. I but mean, here's the thing like, I'm not going to belabor it, but like, you've got eyeballs. Yeah. Take a back of a cocktail napkin, sketch out where these forces were it, at the well, time of cocktail. The problem is a cocktail napkin is 2D. Yeah. <laughs> you almost need to think in three dimensions right. here. And like, yeah. where could Euron possibly hide right. that a dragon flying, you know, 3,000 feet in the air couldn't right. see? Yeah. And there's like, I... It also, this is kind of like the same problem I had of, uh, boy, I'm just going to risk pissing off all the fan bases, but like uh, The Last Jedi, it's like <laughs> you deploy a technology and tactic that has been well established throughout the realm in histor history, but like literally, like, no, like, these things are fucking cannons before cannons existed. Oh, like, and they're like super a real cannons. ballista can throw uh, like something like four or five hundred meters. This thing's throwing them like a mile or two. It's and then they're and then they're flying right through the boats like right. cheddar cheese, man. And then you you so you have these guys like with one you have these guys picking out Regal, mm -hmm. um, and he goes down like with pinpoint accuracy, three shots, three hits, mm -hmm. and then Danny charges at the middle of them. Like, this is a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It is, Like, yeah. you don't... Yes, Danny should go crazy. Like, like I don't understand why Danny lives to that. Like, there's yeah. some mistakes your character I almost can't felt make like, without like, walk... You, you can't, and, and it's just like last... See, this is this was the aerial equivalent of Brienne going down under 30 white screaming yeah. and then, you know... Popping up fine. Yeah, popping up fine five minutes later. Like, you can't... If you're unwilling to kill the character, don't put him in a situation yep. where a reasonable person would be like, "There's no fucking way." Like, like, is she fucking Jules from Pulp Fiction? Was this like a like a according to Hoyle miracle that I just uh -huh. witnessed? Because that's what it felt like. It absolutely did, and, and I think there, so. There's something that I read into this scene that maybe isn't there, but I almost felt like Danny was so pissed off about mm -hmm. Rhaegal dying that she took Drogon in on this charge, and when Drogon saw what was about to happen. Drogon just took off yeah, said, like I guess her yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I I I felt that a little bit watching I was cuz I was watching it too I felt like and again I don't know why they don't have saddles or something so this could be like I feel like <laughs> she was pulling on his horns that she couldn't commit him that she's like this is my last he's a little bit Cersei yeah, yeah. with her last son or, you know? or or Jamie oh okay yeah like she I, well, just well the, the whole charge thing was like Jamie all the way right? right but there's also the other thing that's really stupid about this is 
I don't like I I feel like Danny could have like this was a one time thing they could have done and she could have like why not fly around attack the fleet from the rear they only have the mm-hmm. one ballista it's point I'm sure it can rotate but what are they going to do fire through their fucking masts and yeah. their sails and uh, how, how, how accurate they would see? that be yeah they'd be and, like blind. she can fl- she can she can wheel around and flank them in like 30 40 seconds and like yep. again it is very obvious that no one's shot this past any kind of advisor or any kind of like technical consultant. It's just like, we think it'd yeah. be cool and let's do it. And that's, a, that's disappointing to me. And these are the things that make me say, this is a, this is a production that just wants to be done. Yeah. Um, and is willing to shortcut things and willing to just put something on screen that gets them to where they need to be to end this fucking series. Finally. Right. right. Uh, you know, in some scenes, I right. think they take care with others. Maybe the stuff that interests them more. Maybe they're not as interested in, you know, these battles and stuff. They're more interested in the characters and the human angle. Well, that's, see, that's why I think it was always brilliant about George is he very rarely gave you big battles. It was yeah. always like the battles about to join and then you'd skip a POV and you come back and it was the aftermath. Right. Because George sucks at writing big battles. Uh, he's pretty okay at like one-on-one action. Hmm. And you think about like the really big impressive, like it's always been like, you take an Oberon versus the Mountain. That wasn't thousands facing against thousands. That was yeah. two men that fucking hated each other and for, for good reason. Uh-huh. And it was flashy and it was cool. Scaling that up to like tens of thousands of people is very hard to do. Yeah, um, I agree. Especially, yeah. So I I kind of think that they, but they promised spectacle. They wanted to deliver spectacle. They're just not great at delivering spectacle. All right, Cersei brought the people of King's Landing inside the walls of the Red Keep, winning their favor, and she tells Euron that her baby is his. And then we see, oh, there's Miss Sandy. She's being held in the Red Keep. Uh, so Cersei kind of consolidating and making the cost of burning King's Landing very fucking high. No, her like so. This is the part of the story they're telling very well. Like even yes. like the fact that they got lucky and got Miss Sandy, and and now that she's in chains and she's going to die in chains after mm-hmm. like. The, the, this is like great propaganda. Like, oh, breaker chains. You can't even save your own damn people. Yeah. Um, and it's calculated to just just make Danny completely over uh, irrational. Um, so yeah. like this is fucking re- like this is really good. This is I think is really good. And the imagery of, of Miss Sandy standing there in chains with with Cersei sneering so much for the breaker chains. Mm-hmm. Boy, you really fucking hate Cersei all over again. Fantastic. Uh, Varys tells Danny that she's making a huge mistake by attacking King's Landing full force, killing innocent people. Tyrion suggests that they demand Cersei surrender and offer her life in exchange for the throne. Danny goes along with it in an effort to prove that Cersei's to blame for the fates of the people. Yeah. So, so far, like, you know, her advisors made a reasonable request and she acquiesced to it, especially since it's two weeks until John, the rest of the army gets there. Like, this is all um, yeah, makes but, sense. But again, I mean, Danny, with this sense of entitlement, like, I'm here to free the world of tyrants. That's my destiny. Well, plus, and I will see it through at all costs. Like, that's ominous. Plus, Grey Worm, which is the last of her original board of advisors, obviously wants to go in full bat full and full board and, and, yeah. and rescue Missandei or get vengeance for her so like he's compromised she's compromised it's all of these other fake fucking Johnny come lately friends that are telling her to wait mm-hmm. her lover her her, cousin, her nephew <laughs> lover's not around it's it's yeah like i said this this is if they're going to tell the story this is the way you tell it I uh, kind of talked about this scene already, but she um, they're disturbed by Danny's latest bow with anger. So Varys wants to switch sides and back John as king, which is treason, as Tyrion points out. Uh, Tyrion is holding fast on Danny's side, seemingly pitting them against each other. Yeah, uh, I do. I do wish there was still this whole like shadow level to this game to play. Yeah. 
uh, the Varus has is so good at, but it doesn't seem like there's really an opportunity for that. And my sympathies are like I do like Varus's. He says, "Hey, my loyalty is due to realm." And Tyrion tries like, "Oh, what is even the realm?" And he's like, "The realm's a million millions of people who deserve to live and to be able to feed their children." Yeah. And you don't know who they are, but they still exist, and they're real, and I care about them because those are essentially my people. Like, that's righteous. That's right on. Mm-hmm. Like, Varys. Varys for the Iron Throne 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so weird here because, like, Varys is is opposing Danny, who says all those same things, right? Right. It's just a matter of does Varys believe that she actually wants the thing she's saying or does she just want power well the and that's like it's the way she phrased it like i my destiny is to free the world of tyrants and i will serve that destiny no matter the cost like that's so no matter the cost so you will become a tyrant to rid yes. the world of tyrants and then what you blow your head off with with a <laughs> six a six uh, shot revolving crossbow no doubt i mean yeah. i don't I I mean, that's, yeah, she is, like, there are no breaks to this crazy train. Like, once you decide to believe that, that she can calm down, she can mm-hmm. she can have her advisors calm her down. But, like, once you have that worldview, it's it's super dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Jamie gets the news about the loss of Danny's dragon and fleet, and later that night he decides to leave Winterfell and return to King's Landing, leaving Brienne weeping in the courtyard. Uh, so Super sad scene. There are, there's some takes I can't, uh, that say that jamie actually is turning cloak and going back to well, cersei to protect her okay so one of those takes is in inside the the episode uh-huh. with uh either dan or david i i don't remember which is which uh, the liars the the the, the, yeah. the lying liars that tell uh, us lies i i wrote down what they said they basically jamie has an addiction to cersei that he can't break that does not feel right to me. I hope, th- man, cause that scares the fuck out of me because I, I can totally I see lying. them. I could totally see them thinking that. But I think they're lying. I think so too. I think Jamie is in fact going back to deal with Cersei by taking her out. No, and I think that like you know the way it's like it seems obvious that he is listing a litany of things he's done for Cersei mm-hmm. and he's over Cersei, but she, I'm hateful. Like so, like. I can't sit back and trust that this is going to... I got to do it. I feel personally responsible for this evil, and I got to take care of it. And I also want to say this in a hurtful way so that you don't get mixed up in it because you took an oath to protect this girl. You would... I know you would probably forswear that to to join me on my little campaign, and I can't have you doing that. So it's kind of like, you know, throwing the rocks at the dog that you want to go away because you're trying to save its life. Right. He he should have sent her off with Torment. (laughs) Right. Just like John did with Ghost. But yeah, the double D saying that like he's got a Cersei addiction is like, I... Uh, I, I don't believe him. I just don't believe them. Yeah. But but if they believe it and they make that, like if if, yeah. if if Jamie is standing by her side and doesn't betray her and dies fighting Defender, like I don't know what... <laughs> that is... That, yeah. That's really a lot losing the plot. I'd have to clear bankruptcy again. I agree. Uh, so, final scene, Danny meets Cersei at the gates of King's Landing, where they trade terms. Neither side will budge, so Tyrion tries to convince his sister to surrender for the sake of her unborn child. She refuses and chops off Missandei's head, enraging Danny and all but guaranteeing there will be no peaceful resolution to this conflict. Um, my question is, why didn't Cersei just win here? Uh, uh, propriety. 
or sense her, her sense, sense of, of honor. honor. Yeah. Okay. So again, no, why? Exactly. Like I, but I don't they, have a good answer for they, you. They staged a scene where this should have been a decisive victory for the forces of evil uh-huh. that good willingly walked into and were stupid. Yeah, I honestly can't tell you why. Um, can I? I love everything else about this scene. I have but another question. Kind of Does Kyburn make it back to the gates of King's Landing? I assume he did. How? Because like they like the second they shove Miss Sandy off the wall, like uh, like the the Unsullied should rush forward and and kill. Well, I mean, a Kyber, lot of shoulds. Right? There are a lot of shoulds in this scene. Yeah, I know. I mean, None of like, them I, actually happened, yeah. and it's unfortunate. So, so let's let's like, let's just let's just let's just say that yes, the way this thing is staged and conceived is like, and uh, the range yeah. we know these ballistas floating on a fucking ship have, uh-huh. and Drogon being a stationary target, and the Queen standing right there, and and uh, like this this and her, been, her hand even closer. Yeah. So so yeah. that's dumb. Um, Tyrion, what the fuck is Tyrion doing trying to appeal to Cersei? And like saying, like, I don't, like, uh, even if he's this saying this is why I say he's lost so much of what made him great. Yeah. He's is desperate. He doesn't fucking get Cersei anymore. I feel like that's the, but that's the tragedy of his story that you're trying to tell. And I may be doing a good job of this particular part is like that he's just desperate. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want Danny to be the person that he deep down knows she is. Yeah. So anything he can do or say to avoid this, like, you know, and, and I do think he does believe that Cersei loves her children. And I think he's saying, like, look at all these badasses outside. Look at our dragon. Um, you know, please. For, but I don't think I don't think Cersei thinks she's going to lose. And honestly, I was found myself on the second watch really agreeing with what Kyburn was saying. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, like, he's like, right about the Tyrion assessment Waltz of their there, Like, you got you to gotta talk sense in this. In the, and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. We've got the defensive position. We've got this sophisticated technology. You're down to one dragon, and you got a queen that's afraid to use her. Like, I I think we've got this, dude. Mm-hmm. So. No, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think if you set aside the should-haves mm-hmm. in this scene, that everything else is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think, like, between, especially the acting. The acting in this scene is so fucking good. Yeah. Uh, the acting between Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey, mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, the the look that Tyrion gives back to Danny when Missandei's head comes off is it's hard to describe because Peter Dinklage puts such nuance into it. But right. it's like a combination of "I'm sorry I let this happen," right, and now like I'm actually scared of what you're going to do in reaction. And, like, there's just so much tied up in that one look. And then, like, Grey Worm's reaction to Miss Sandy's head coming off. Can't even look at it. Turns around and is almost physically ill, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so good. And then you put Ramin Jawadi's score behind that. Right. And it's incredible. I think this is an incredible note to leave the third to last episode on. Right. I just wish it made a little more sense in the the framing, the setup. Yeah, and here's the thing, like, I also think that there's evidence that some of this stuff might actually be from Martin because um at least the the broad strokes, because he likes to ponder these things about like what happens when people are subjected to trauma and stress. And do they can they hmm. regain they, can they keep their heroic nobility uh, uh, qualities and nobility. There was uh, something I was in like you know research is a book I wrote um there's this figure that's like a one, uh, an offhanded thing that's mentioned in the books is Bacalon, the pale child that's worshipped as a god of death in the Temple of Black and White. And it was Martin paying homage to this science fiction series he wrote, uh, This Thousand Worlds, like big, 
universe that he was building before Game of Thrones. And uh, one of the factions is Earth. And humanity was traumatized by this outside uh, race of aliens that came to kind of brutalize and invade them. And they narrowly won a victory. But it completely changed Earth's culture. Mm. So, like, this, they yeah. got this god called Bacalon, which is an inversion of the Christ myth. Like, instead of the baby, innocent baby Jesus born in a manger, this is a baby ch- with, a, of a, like, a flaming sword. And he calls his followers the wolves, my wolves, instead of, Je- you know, Jesus was the good shepherd and and they they preach this like xenophobic war like we never again will this happen to us we're going to conquer everyone regardless of how they feel about us we're just going to like this we just become yeah. this rage society and i the feel tyrant like killer becoming the tyrant yeah yeah like like a miss sandy like i thought when i first watched them like her shouting dracaris she has to know what that would do yes she does but she does because she's now been enslaved again by these fuckers. Yeah. Like, would she, like, and, and like, uh, you know, if my queen who wants to free the world has to fight with this queen who wants to enslave it, and these people back her, then fuck these people. And I do think there is something to this, like, all these people have been so traumatized, like Sansa, like, she doesn't ever want to North and Neil again. You know, Arya, mm-hmm. she's been so broken uh, and perverted. Uh, through all the experiences she's had that she can't even envision a, a, a healthy and, and happy home life with people that she loves. Like Danny, who has gone through all this to end tyranny, sliding into tyranny herself to make like this all fucking is really heady and attracts and it's like of a piece of the things that Martin is trying to do. It's just, I guess, surprising that it's this kind of bleak. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, when I heard Bittersweet, I wasn't thinking like Danny and John would fight a civil war over the corpse of Cersei. Like I'm, in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm actually wondering how they're going to inject some sweetness into this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But uh, no, I, I mean, none of this because the indication. I mean, Amelia Clark, I think, does an excellent job. Yeah. at the end of this episode, uh, displaying in in a very subtle way, but also a very powerful way, exactly yeah. what Danny is thinking. Yeah, like I, I, I will I not think end peacefully. The more and more, the thing I, I think they realize that like it's it's not so much a storytelling as is. is terrible i do think that like we said the the way they frame some of the stuff some of the sets that they choose some of the way they stage Mm -hmm. it is bad but like uh, we're more disappointed that our heroes are falling into like vice and despair and grief and rage than we are like oh this is just you know just roundly the the idea that danny would become a mad queen is is bad i don't know that's my that's kind of my take yeah i don't think Look, I don't, I don't know that there is a storyline well told that is a bad, inherently bad storyline. I think sure. it can make it's the fans yeah. it can make the fans feel bad, and it yeah, can yeah. make the fans upset and angry. Yeah. And honestly, you should be upset and angry if if you are a fan of Danny, which I considered myself for seasons now. This should upset you. Mm-hmm. You don't want Danny to give in to her uh, her darker side mm-hmm. and. You know, this this story, that's part of the bittersweet, right? Yeah. Like, Danny may win the throne, but what does she have to do to get there? Yeah. And who will she become if she does it? Yeah, no, like, this is like a... Ma- um, imagine if Star Wars were told in a chronological order. So, like, the first trilogy happened. So, this is Dan- This is Anakin joining the mm-hmm. Emperor, yeah. right? It's not Luke Skywalker throwing the lightsaber aside and choosing love and peace over, you know, conquest yeah. and hate and anger and all that. But this is, like... You know, I think we're expecting Luke Skywalker, and we're getting Anakin. Yeah, which unfortunately, is a much more, we won't yeah. maybe get the original also, trilogy of this story. Well, and, and I also say, like, I use that advisedly because, like, they—that's a perfectly fine story to tell. 
uh-huh. everyone is but like I think George Lucas did a kind of a shitty job of oh, telling absolutely, that story. Absolutely, yeah. And I think in the last couple seasons, the Double Ds have bereft of the original source material that's excellent, have struggled to tell the story and come to a satisfying conclusion. Now, because yeah. so, so, so like the other thing I keep asking myself is like, well, if they piss off, if they tell a valid story that pisses everyone off, is that a success? Is that is that successful? Is that a successful story? Uh, I think a story like that can only be successful in hindsight. Yeah. Uh, I think it it's will, like a, it's it like will a, have a visceral negative reaction from the fandom. Right. And then maybe in five years, people will come back and say, you know, I was really pissed off, but actually this makes a lot of sense and it was mm-hmm. really well told. Now, I don't know if they'll get there. I feel like that's like you can draw comparisons to like Sopranos. Yes. That like that was a very divisive ending at it first, was. but like I think that was an artistic choice, which I think is a little different than right. You know, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, but a, like a it mechanics pissed, like, of the I think story. That, like like fifty fifty people were like but this yeah. is horseshit, and I think now if you ask fans, The Sopranos is probably ninety ten uh-huh. like it versus because they thought about it, they come to grips with it, they realize their TV's not malfunctioning. <laughs> Loss is kind of similar. Like right. there's like a fifty fifty split. I think in the fandom that if I take in the temperature lately, I feel like more like probably seventy five percent of people say ah you know what uh, that was a i i you're you're this could i never expected this to go this way but it would be interesting to see a very divisive um you know finale that people hate but mm-hmm. then they start thinking about it and people start writing about it and there's podcasts about it and a year or two from now people are like okay oh. well this is actually this is actually better than John and Danny sitting on the Iron Throne, bouncing baby, or you know, baby Drog Drogo yeah. or whatever on their their knee and living happily ever after. No, it's it's this is the way of everything. I feel on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, everything that was bad five years ago is now good, and everything that was good five years ago is now bad. Like yeah. people re-examine their opinions and they think, oh, why did I feel that way? Why you, you know, why did I feel this other way? And it feels like there are multiple stages to the reaction one right. is immediate uh the next is sort of like the backlash to the immediate right like the yeah. people who hate it uh will come out and say oh fuck this i hated it people who love it will combat them uh and then you know five years whatever from now we'll get yeah. we'll start to narrow in on the general feeling and, and how it's going to be remembered yeah i mean like there's like you know uh defenders of the star wars prequels now like unironic defenders and think it's yeah. great and it's it's right. not and it, so there's a, always a stage in a fandom where like something happens and like there is a level of denial between people like that love what's going on and they're mm-hmm. overlooking the flaws and the people that can't see what the good that's going on because all they can look at is the flaws yeah because um, like right now like i think there are like I, again i think there's objectively things wrong with the way they staged mm-hmm. the death of Rhaegal and the way they staged this show off but or the showdown between danny and and cersei and if you love the show you have to love love it despite knowing that there are flaws and that like okay i'm going to be fine with these flaws but right now we're in a stage where we're just arguing whether flaws are flaws yeah and we can't get to like we're well, too close to it yeah it's like oh that's not a wart that's a beauty mark fuck you it's a wart like <laughs> okay let's fucking biopsy this fucker figure out if it's a wart or beauty mark <laughs> then it's like once it's like oh it's a wart it's like well i still think she's pretty fine <laughs> yeah, fine yeah, yeah, yeah. but don't try to tell me it's a beauty mark so we'll <laughs> okay. see how this all sorts out and who knows what the next two weeks uh will bring yeah So we thought it'd be fun to give our audience a behind-the-scenes look at how we book ads on Bald Move. So we're going to let you listen in live to a phone conference with our ad agency. Are you drunk? What? No, we're professionals. It's like noon here. 
okay? Maybe we're drunk a little bit. Look, we're getting off on the wrong foot here. We wanted to chat about your concerns with our club's ad-free feeds. I wish you'd never told me. If I didn't know, I'd be happy right now. Oh, we don't want to upset you. It doesn't matter what you want. What happens when they demand you press your claim and take what is mine? Pressing claim? What are you talking about? Look... Your ad partner, we want to sell ads, we just want to tell our club members how they can avoid them. You can say nothing to anyone ever, or it will take on a life of its own and you won't be able to control it or what it does to people. What? They can skip ads, gain access to bonus content, and VIP sections of forums. I really don't see any runaway potential here. I want it to be the way it was. Oh, look, we also have a relationship with our audience, you know. We can't hide club features from them. They deserve the truth. Even if the truth destroys them. It won't. It will. I've never begged for anything. But I'm begging you. You're our ad partner. Nothing will change that. Our listeners are our family. We can live together. They just hang up on us. Yeah, I guess they really feel strongly about this. But you know what? Our audience is family. We think you should know that signing up at club.baldmove.com is a great way to get bonus audio and video content, watch live recordings of the podcast, get VIP access to forums, and yes, listen to our podcast ad-free. You can preview everything at club.baldmove.com. Check it out to find out what the ad companies don't want you to know. Shall we do feedback? Let's do it. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com is where you want to send feedback for us. You also know we have forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, first up, Kelly M. After a long night, I read a lot of takes on Bran, griping about how useless he was in a fight against the Night King. But I think this episode, there is a moment that helps explain Bran's role more clearly. When Jon is with Arya and Sansa asking them to swear to keep the secret of his heritage, and he looks to Bran, and Bran replied, It's your choice. It reinforced the idea that Bran is simply an observer, seeing multiple paths at once, but what shapes... Uh, uh, but what shapes and decides what happens is people's choices. Brand cannot interfere in the affairs of men to try to force an outcome. Um, of course, he could sway people's decisions, like for example, really John fucked over Hodor by yeah, pretty hard that's true. for that's his own, true. like to influence the outcome of that event. Uh, he could sway John's decision by saying, "If you do this, things won't turn out well." But that could in turn force a worse outcome, and Brand would be responsible for that. We see that uh, the path John's decision leads to for the Seven Kingdoms, but as my brand guy says, no regrets because everything you did brought you to where you are now, home, which is where you need to be. I mean, I'm I'm struggling to understand what exactly Bran can do and can see, um, and how much influence he can have over future events. Like I'm, right? I don't think he sees future events, uh, and and I. I understand that sometimes he can interfere in situations like mm-hmm. the Hodor one, for instance. And I, mm-hmm. I know that's a thing, but like, what, what can he actually, can he move, maneuver pieces at all yeah. in an effort to get to some end goal? If he can't see it, I don't, I think I don't there's, think so. there's a successful story to be told there with him learning a lesson from Hodor, like a commandeer Hodor to save my skin. It actually completely fucked up Hodor's life. It didn't yeah. like really affect the outcome much. Like I learned a lesson as a three eyed Raven that you can't take direct control. Mm-hmm. You got to like influence and you can manipulate and you can hint. But at the second you try to say, this is what needs to happen. It's just going to fuck things up. I don't think 
they're doing a good job of telling that story though and also like i think if like i think it's a fair question to wonder what the fuck bran was doing when he was warging the entire episode yeah like if he had just like been with theon and just patiently waiting for the night king not warging then i would buy the whole oh well he was just he 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 did his job and now he's just waiting to see how fate and destiny works out but he was actively doing something and if he wasn't just yeah. watching like the wide, wide world of sports as a way to pass time, like essentially browsing like his phone in the line of the bank or whatever, then what the hell was he doing? I think it's a fair question to ask. And I, I hope that's one of my few remaining hopes after declaring bankruptcy is I, I do hope that we get a satisfying answer to that. I mean, I think we've got a partial answer, which one that I, I don't necessarily think was super satisfying is that yeah. he's the memory of of the realm but how was uh, that being used in that moment yeah what what purpose did you know warging into all these birds serve yeah. in 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 that effort i don't know i think what we'll see is him do that one more time and now we'll actually see exactly what he's doing and like yeah okay. we joked about like the whole like uh you didn't do a damn thing brand oh didn't die mm-hmm. it would be interesting to show like through that lens ways that he might have subtly influenced the other battle yeah uh, without actually telling it because otherwise it's just like you know you're a three-eyed raven what the fuck you helped your sisters kill Littlefinger, maybe uh yeah other, I th- other I think than that the you know the email is an effort to explain it to figure it out but, but i also think it doesn't facts. it doesn't quite fit yeah. because hodor and also some of the facts are unexplainable like we have a fact that he warged the entire time of the battle of winterfell but what was he doing we know that he uh got a close up look at the night king but mm-hmm. what what why would he do that like yeah. you know was there was it just curious like he's just morbidly curious about how close the night king was to killing him and then mm-hmm. once he is in the courtyard he's like oh i can actually use my realize <laughs> that's not a very satisfying answer but it would be an answer sure all right lauren m varus has been sidelined for most of season seven and eight so i'm excited to finally see him stirring some shit what do you think varus <laughs> is about to do about danny uh, we know that he has destroyed kings and families with his little birds, and maybe he tries to convince John to take the throne. I don't see him completely jumping ship and using his fins to swim all the way over to John's side, but no, I do no, see no. him using the information he has about John to convince other people to join his cause. Here's the problem with trying to convince John: yeah. if he fails, he's dead. Right? Like that—that's that's no longer shadow treason. That's fucking treason it's to treason. to a queen loyalist's face. You're mm-hmm. going to die and John yeah. will execute you. And the other problem, like we outlined in the, the episode is like, who could he meet with that needs no introduction? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss as to what Varys does next. Right. And actually I'm kind of excited that I am at a loss mm-hmm. because if I want to give the devil D's some credit, they might have something in store for me that I'm not seeing coming that could yeah. be great. Yeah. There'll be a whole army of bronze with crossbows to come out behind the cliff to shoot him <laughs> I, right I, as he's about to I, commit I put treason. the qualifier could be great <laughs> on that. Come on. Um, Ryan C. I want to write in on the turn of Danny towards the Mad Queen. To begin, she's always been anti-authority to those who abuse their power for the most part and pretty benevolent to those below her. I think this inherently or inherently this quality would make her a good queen. It's probably why she fell for John so hard because in a lot of ways, he's the same. Danny has faced many betrayals of her trust and perhaps enough is enough though. She trusted her brother to protect her and he sold her off into slavery and she let him be killed. Miri Mazdur, when she, who she freed from captivity and saved from rape, betrays her and kills Drogo and she burns her alive. Jorah betrays her and banishes him forever. 
Um, she conquers Marine. Okay, so he he goes off a litany that we yeah. all know of her greatest, you know, uh, moments um, of all the different betrayals. Uh, like with Cersei saying, "Hey, I'm your ally." No, I'm not. Um, and then John, uh, you know, giving her the North, but the North all hates her. So he says that uh, this this whole lead up only makes sense if she eventually snaps. And losing Jorah, Missandei, and her dragons in two days is would set anybody off. I do feel like it could also pay off if she comes very close to snapping, and we're afraid she'll snap. Yeah. I don't think she necessarily has to, but right. uh, but I see your point, yeah. Right. And also, there's a lot of some problematic snapping here. Like, Miriam Asdur, uh, she's like, and I I feel like no people don't get the Miriam Asdur character. Um, that, she didn't betray Danny because Danny was never her ally. Uh, Danny, because she felt bad about all these women getting raped, decided to arbitrarily save a few for herself. From Miriam Asdur's perspective, you fucked me. You fucked my town. You burnt that. You pulled down my god's altars. You burnt them. You savaged all. You killed every one of the male children in my town. Oh, mm-hmm. you saved me from rape after I probably already been passed around by two or three writers. Fuck you. And this is what I did. And now you can feel what it feels like to be me. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, fucking Miriam Asdur betraying Danny like that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. there, you know, it's like something that, that was like one, I think, Danny's first lessons at how you can. You know, like it's it's not so easy to just come in and be like, oh, I'm going to be the savior, you know? Yeah. Um, and like this is, you know, if you ask any person in King's Landing uh, their opinion on Danny burning them alive to save them, pretty sure mm-hmm. it would turn out negative. Yeah. So anyway, Tara, moving on. Tara L. It's not in Danny's nature to slaughter thousands of innocent people, but I think that's the whole reason they killed Rhaegal and Missandei. Rhaegal could have easily died last episode, but it's more of a gut punch for Danny to have him die at the hands of her enemy and rival rather than the undead. As an English teacher and lover of literature, I always look the I always favor the books over the show, but I understand your frustration with the show deviating from the spirit of the books. I think there are aspects of the latest episode that, while hardly Shakespeare, were nonetheless Shakespearean in their intrigue. The secrets, the backstabbing, Danny is Macbeth and Lady Macbeth all wrapped up in the one. And by the way, prophecies never help Shakespeare's uh, characters. <laughs> what I mean to say by that is that I still have hope. I mean, yeah, yeah, Macbeth is interesting because, like, imagine the set piece of Macbeth where the forest comes alive and marches on the castle, like, being staged. Because, like, the description is literally, like, the opposing army is holding, like, big branches in front of their faces. The camouflage themselves as trees. Uh-huh. And if you actually saw that happen on a screen, like, lovingly created, it would look ridiculous, right? The double D's just have the problem that, like, they can't just have, you know, Macbeth looking out and be like, oh, my God, look at the fulfillment of the prophecy. I'm under. You know, they have to actually show, put this on a screen. And a lot of times they do it and you can just tell it's dudes holding branches in front of their face. <laughs> gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Katie. This show has recently been setting up Danny to be the Mad Queen, especially with the killing of a Sandy to push her to the breaking point. But I will personally be very disappointed and angry if the show takes this route. You and many other people. Danny has been such a triumphant figure and a symbol of hope for women in a world where men mm-hmm. seemingly always have the upper hand. Cersei has lamented about what she would have been able to accomplish if only she were a man. Well, Danny has accomplished a ton and has a very impressive resume. She's put faith in herself, which led to many others devoting themselves to her. She's always found a unique way to deal with her obstacles, such as when she was acquiring the Unsullied. She has provided the show with many badass moments that left me too pumped to even be able to fall asleep on several nights. 
I just hope they don't end her arc with a crazed spiral because her dad went mad. And it's an easy way to pick between her and John. Uh, just want to know your thoughts about whether you think there's an interesting way she could be both the Mad Queen, because that seems like a path the show is taking, and still remain a strong female hero. What I- I, if you go full Mad Queen, I don't think you're a hero anymore. Well, is the problem. Okay, what about Brad? Uh, Brad, Brad the Impaler, totally different <laughs> dude. Vlad the Impaler. Okay, the uh, you know guy behind the I'm Legend of Dracula. I'm not super familiar with the, uh, the lore here. So, so he's essentially the the real life inspiration for Dracula. Uh-huh. He was this guy who was ruthless, and he made shows of impaling, like creating corpses of force for uh, forest of corpses around this castle where he would take uh, the people that were his enemies and impale them. But he's hailed as a hero in Romania. Because he like was a strong bulwark against these outward invaders, so the path hmm. forward for Danny to be considered a strong f- hero is for her to be a hero for her people and her people only. Sounds like the Romanians are xenophobic. Oh, I mean, <laughs> they the, the outside forces actually were coming to kill them. So. Oh, okay, well, yeah, maybe <laughs> uh, maybe warranted. Who uh, wouldn't uh, worship Bacalon, the pale child, <laughs> in those sort of circumstances? But. So it's like that's the thing. It's like everyone else thinks he's a giant asshole and cruel and yeah. inhuman, and and but like to the people that he protected. So like Danny can still be the hero to the Dothraki, to the Unsullied, to yeah. the people. I, that I think she, she is sa- already that. The people she saves, but the people that, that like that all the slaves and slavers bay, like yeah, the other people that are on the other end will be annihilated, and they won't be. So like now, is that a hero you want to root for? But that's a way that they could. She could still be heroic, a, a heroic figure. Yeah, I have I have trouble with I guess hypocritical heroes. <laughs> yeah. If I if I had to come up with a term for them. Uh someone who becomes the thing they hate in order to vanquish the thing they hate. That mm-hmm. that never sits well with me. And I'm I'm not certain that Danny is going to go that way, mm-hmm. but I I am certain they are pushing her that direction. Right. I just I I'm I'm with you. I hope she does not make this decision. I cool. don't want to see her become the villain. Yeah. And I even from a certain point of view if she's still the hero, it's still Yeah, yeah, like, it yeah. still feels wrong to me. Yeah. Um Alexis A, it seems that every decision that led to a true act of heroism from Danny has happened when she acted alone without counsel. Tyrion and Varys are dead set against checking her worst impulses, quote unquote, but since the beginning of the season series, we've seen her use these impulses with ample success. She stepped into the great fire and birthed her dragons. She calmed the, mace, the masters of Astapor and gained the loyalty of the Unsullied. She set aflame the Dothraki sacred temple and proved her strength to the full Kalasar. And, you know, Alexis is right. The whole time, her advisors were like, Danny, no! Don't throw yourself mm-hmm. on that pyre! Danny, no! Don't try to get the slave army! Dan-. So, like, yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying here. Uh, with Tyrion- I, I feel like her, her righteous compass is right on track. Mm-hmm. But... There are some things around the edges that, <laughs> you know, hinder her. Not all means justify all, all ends. Yes. With Tyrion's incompetence and Varys turn cloaking at the forefront of the final season, it's now or never for Danny to be a dragon. Uh, maybe Miss Sandy's Dracarys was not a suggestion to burn everything down, but rather a reminder for Danny to be true to herself. Mm. With her army depleted, core allies dead, and last dragon vulnerable, I hope we see Danny manifest her fire and blood for intelligently conviving and strate- strategic use one last time. Conniving, I, you fun. might be in for a disappointment. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think like all bets are off next episode. I, right. I don't know what path Danny is going to go down, but 
but she is very angry right now. Right. It's kind of like if like if she'd attacked the Maesters of Asapor or Ma- Masters of Asapor and killed them and all the slaves, mm-hmm. except for the Unsullied, we'd feel about that a lot differently. And that's sure. that's the point. She can't just decap. There is no like Cersei's not like the Masters that she can just. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I don't know that that's because that's a valid way for the show to go too. like the for, you know, Danny to drop propaganda leaflets from her <laughs> dragon saying, hey, we're not we're not doing this for you. We're trying to free you from Cersei. We know Cersei's this and that. And there's a lot of things that that could work. We've seen them work. I mean, that's the reason the faith militant came about is because all that shit that Stannis stirred about her. You know, the king sitting on the throne being an abomination and a product of incest and the like all that shit worked. So but uh, she uh, she's going to precarious her way out of this, it seems like. (laughs) Derek W. I have grown increasingly frustrated with Tyrion's thought patterns. I don't understand why you see Cersei as this rational human being. Mm -hmm. What made him think that bringing up her unborn child would somehow humanize her into a surrender? Why would you think you could show up at Dragonstone and not get ambushed? Here's. Yeah, no, it, it, you're right. You're right. Keep going. Sorry. Uh, she's, he's, he just concludes, Tyrion at this point has not given Danny any advantages since becoming handed the queen. He's a hindrance at this point. I yeah. forgot to mention this in the outline, but I will add one point. What do you think of the theory, or have you seen the theory, that the whole reason Tyrion went up to confer with Cersei is to drop the fact that he knew about Cersei's pregnancy before he should have been able to? So that clues Euron in and the fact that he's been hoodwinked. Man, I don't think Euron's that smart. Well, like if you're trying to subtly tip off this imbecile, right. d- d- no, it ain't gonna work. And it, it is a way to tell that story, and the story is to cut to as Tyrion's talking, a skeptical-looking Euron going mm-hmm. like, "Wait a minute!" Yep. But while there were some shots of him doing that, they were not in response to this thing. No. So I feel like they're not telling that because st- the other thing is like I don't think Euron would give a shit either. Like, all that matters is that people think the child is his. Mm-hmm. So even if it's Jamie, if he wins this war and Cersei sits on Iron Throne and she, like, I, 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 it's not only that I think he's stupid, I also think he just wouldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that would offend him. So it's not like he got, you know, Cersei as an unblemished virgin queen. <laughs> sure. So sure. he knows about Jamie, knows about Robert, like, oh, like it, I, why would he care? So I yeah I, I thought that that was a little reach too. Yeah, that'd be brilliant though if like that's what you know like like he's playing Cersei instead of being played. But I just don't think they they had that in mind shooting that scene. But I'll I'll agree with the emailer and I'll add on Tyrion is extra dumb because he's been he's had this you know Cersei's love for her children card played against him yeah, already already like very recently. He should be well aware that Cersei used this against him, but maybe to trick him into thinking, "Oh, she's going to send her armies up." All right, Devil's Advocate. Doesn't that make that card stronger? Because Cersei played that card to keep herself safe. We went up north. We kicked these guys' ass without your help, and now we've got us. We got uh, dead even odds of winning. And if we win, we are going. Uh, this queen, I barely got her on her Mad Queen leash now. You fucking make her go fire and blood, and there's going to be no escape for anyone. Like, this is it. Like, everything I said before is Mm. now, like, all... You thought that this was going to happen. You thought that was going to happen. Well, it's not. We're outside already. Kick your ass in. But they don't believe that they can kick their ass in. Yeah, it's... yeah. Like, uh, Kyburn's, you know, assessment is Last time I tried to advocate for the devil, he's an asshole. Yeah. 
My fuck first, that, fuck the devil. devil wants me as his client, he needs to stop being the devil first. All right, Becky M. I like this email a lot. Have we been paying enough attention to Sansa? The argument about attacking King's Landing the last two seasons has been about not hurting people. The only person we've actually uh, watched actually caring about people is Sansa. And both of the last two seasons, she's concerned herself with making sure people are fed and cared for, while both John and Danny has been focused on dealing with the monarchal threats, the Night's King and Cersei. Though John is also a man of the people, he has not thought through all the ways that Sansa has. Uh, we were reminded this in last episode that the, when the Hound called her the, a little bird. Although that was the reunion I was waiting for as a fan, I was also reminded of Littlefinger, who had a bird sigil, from whom she learned so much. She also won the Hound over by touching his hand, too. She's Big Bird now? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> he has not known that kind of contact before, and she knows it. She also seemed to intentionally antagonize Jamie about Cersei's impending death, almost to encourage him to leave Winterfell despite her appreciation for Brienne's loyalty and happiness. She also placed doubt in the heart of uh, Tyrion with the news of Jon slash Aegon, which she knew would travel beyond him. Sansa is playing the game and better than anyone. Hell yeah, she is. Uh, And she's making no bones about it either. Yeah. Uh, And and I think, look, um, Sansa definitely does care about people. And Mm -hmm. the the fact that she's worried about how are we going to feed all these troops, like that kind of thing. Some of it is serving, you know, her purpose of like, and just, you know, I'm making decisions here. I'm the Lady of Winterfell, that kind of stuff. Right. But also, I think she genuinely does care. However, and she was doing kind that of, before Danny rolled up with her much larger army. She was like uh, busying about yeah. Winterfell, making sure their arms and armor and their food is. Yeah. I will say, though, she has been in a position of luxury in regard to that because John has been out trying to save all mm-hmm. of humanity. Like. Mm-hmm. I think John leaves her in charge knowing that she does care about the people and she will figure out how to keep these people safe uh, from, you know, the sort of mortal threats that they face while he's off trying to conquer the immortal threat they face. Sure. Uh, So so they're working together and I think they both care greatly. Uh, They're both honorable and good people. And, but I think Sansa plays the game way better than John. Plus, I think John, he sees himself as guarding the realm, the realms of meh. And Sansa just, just like I, I think she doesn't give a shit about anything other than the North and the Northern people. Oh yeah, like so, like her being the people's champion only extends to the neck, whereas John mm-hmm. sees all of humanity as something that needs to be saved and protected. I think that's um, a distinction too. Caitlin T has a nice email that chains with the other one about us overlooking Sansa. Uh, during this dinner scene at Winterfell, we saw lots of reaction shots from Sansa. Um, after Gendry, Danny said to Tyrion that you're not the only one who's clever. But Sansa's face to me said that she knew exactly what Danny was doing and she was back to playing the game. Mm-hmm. After that, she got up and started playing games of her own. We later see some women approach the male fighters, particularly Tormund and the Hound. When the Hound turns hmm. him down, Sansa comes to check on him. They have a conversation about how without Baelish and Ramsay, she would have remained a little bird forever. This got me thinking about all the things she learned from her mentors. Do you think Sansa has her own women to sleep with men and spy for her the way Peter Baelish did? The way they started pairing off seems normal enough for after the battle like this, but the way it happened seemed more like a response to Danny's actions. Like she wanted to get an idea of where men stood and if they were loyal to Danny or to John. Did either of you get that same take? I hadn't thought about it, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, and I think there's a very small percent. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking like someone who hasn't declared bankruptcy, Caitlin. Uh, you're, you're running, you, or if you have, you're running to a payday lender and you're ready to rack up <laughs> debt again. Uh, this is a really cool take. Like yeah. if, if Sansa was running uh, Littlefinger's scheme, 
mm-hmm. to like you know Varys had his little birds, uh, Littlefinger cornered all the whores in 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 King's Landing. So, uh, yeah, I just I don't think that's a story they're telling, but it would be an interesting one to tell. Is Winterfell in danger of becoming Moletown? Is that Moletown South? Is what they call it? Uh, yeah, New Moletown. It could under Sansa's rule if she just has all her birds out there. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, they're flitting to and fro. Uh, Nola P. As a Jamie and Brienne shipper, I was so let down by how their romantic relationship played in the show. First, they hook up drunk. Then we never get to see them happy together. And finally, after taking a virginity, Jamie just dips out on Brienne in the middle of the night. Yeah. After years of delicate buildup, they rushed and then crushed this relationship in a single episode. Something is wrong when the scene of Jamie knighting Brienne is more romantic than the scene of them sleeping together. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, I think it's entirely on point for their characters for that scene to be more romantic. Like, especially for Brienne, you know, like being knighted is that like, sure, her arc, yeah. character arc wasn't getting fucked. She wasn't like, yeah. gotta get some D up in this P. <laughs> like she, she wanted to be a knight and she got to be a knight. So that was more uh-huh. meaningful. This was like more of a fan service type moment, but it's again i don't know i I don't know whether you're thinking nola that jamie did this on purpose or he did this like thoughtlessly or did this out of loyalty to cersei i think this actually was a a a final act of love that like he wants brienne to maintain her oath to the starks and not follow him on some damn foolish crusade and he's going down to deal with cersei because he feels personally responsible for it and he doesn't think that he can because otherwise he's just going to sit here and, and winterfell and be happy with brienne and let other people fight his battles for him yeah I, but i think the assessment of like looking at it from brienne's side this is exactly oh, what terrible. happened he pumped and dumped her like this oh my god yes yeah I think that assessment is right on from Brienne's side. Like, we didn't talk enough about this, but like uh, Gwendolyn Christie, like just playing her bereft of uh, like just like, just really shattered and begging Jamie not like yeah. she's like saying like, look, I know what you're doing. I understand this, with, but like, just please don't do this. You don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's terrible. And uh, but... both, both her like there are moments of joy and there are moments of despair right. uh, in this scene and Gwendolyn Christie does an amazing job conveying both. And it's romantic in like the Anne of Green Gables kind of way. Like it it's yeah. like the heightened emotion is, is for real. Like uh-huh. this is like it's romantic in the way that like uh, Romeo and Juliet's romantic, right? Like a pride and prejudice, sure. Yeah, this, this, this star-crossed lovers doomed to fail. Um, Mackenzie W., even accept, even after accepting fan bankruptcy, I'm having a hard time reconciling what's left. Like now, how does anyone, uh, how does anyone ever believe in Intel and Recon? If Bran can see Littlefinger's conversation with Ned and the Lyanna Rhaegar wedding, then he can for sure see what's going on in King's Landing, right? So why not ask if he can see what Cersei is planning, like her Fair. new Scorpion factory? Can't Bran warg into a raven and see Euron waiting for them? Did no one think to ask about dragon inventions of the past, like saddles or armor? Can we not see the wildfire under King's Landing? I mean, they've made the great, they have the greatest intel officer in the history of the world, and no one asks him any questions? Look, Bran doesn't want to spy. Bran doesn't, he doesn't want anything. He doesn't want anything anymore. Yeah. He doesn't want anyone to win or lose, or it's just like, whatever, <laughs> man. He doesn't want to help. He doesn't want to hurt. He's going to live in the past. No, that's fair. That's totally fair yeah. uh, criticism. They do have a incredibly powerful tool that they're just not using, or just like it. It would be fine if somebody went up and asked him to help, and he said no because, mm-hmm. like, well, I'm the Three Eyed Raven, and I'm just a right. memory, and like right. I can't influence the realms of men. 
that kind of shit. Yeah. It would be better if they did that than just completely ignore it. And I got excited when I saw Tyrion go up and say, like, have a conversation with Bran. I yeah. thought that would pay off, but I think that's just literally like like you're supposed to understand that Tyrion is essentially checking out an interesting book from the library and he's going to read it and then that's it yeah Bran told him like oh I went to Graster's Keep and then we went north into the cave I met Three-Eyed Raven just telling him like the factual stuff about his story right uh yeah it does seem like a failure of imagination to have Bran be this you know have like he's omniscient as far as what's happened in the past Mm mm-hmm Including, like, you know, I, I guess up to the current. He still has not ambulated himself since season one. Mm-hmm. And, w- again, like, all this criticism about, like, why can't he send a pack of ravens? Why can't he be warged into the rats? Like, I, I, yeah, I don't have any great answers, because I don't think there are any. Um, so, Frank J. says, This week's episode, I was struck by how prominent the scene of Danny legitimizing Gendry was. At first ga- glance, I buy Danny's rationale, reward for a loyal soldier, and score some points with the assembled northerners by elevating a lowborn bastard. But as an unintended consequence of Gendry's legitimization uh, gives him a legal, though tenuous claim to the throne, at least among the small folk and maesters. By Ned's admission, similar parameters were set on Robert's own claim as the Baratheons were distant relations or relatives of the Targaryens to smooth things over with people who were concerned with that sort of thing. Gendry, like Robert, wants one Stark woman to be his wife. Uh, Ned tells Arya at one point how much she looks like Leanne, but for the good of the realm takes another. Sans is already very Cersei-esque, so slots into that role nicely. There's probably a few more parallels out there, too, that I'm not thinking of, but what do you guys think of King Gendry of Fleabottom? Uh, I mean... I think his claim is pretty dubious. It's weaker than the both active claimants right now. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, what, if, Is this show... Uh, if John refuses to do something about it and Danny won't step aside, would someone like Varys try to blow smoke up uh, Gendry's ass to fill his head full of, look how far you could rise, young young Gendry? I don't buy it. Nah. Yeah, I don't. Nah, I don't. I'm with you. There's only two. There's there's also just like two. There's only two episodes left. Um. So, yeah. And also like him, like, yeah, like there's no way he's going to roll right to, to Sansa. And why would Sansa do that? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, no, I, I I don't I don't think so. I will say that like uh, a lot of fans were, <sighs> um, Gendry called himself Gendry Rivers, which is wrong. Like if he was born in King's Landing, he should be Gendry Waters. Uh, also, a lot of fans were upset that there was a Starbucks coffee cup on the table in front of Sans, uh, yeah, in front of that. Danny at the at the feast. Um, uh, I mean, I, the, the Waters Rivers is just a fuck up. I don't know why. Like, they don't usually fuck up, hist- like, in-universe details that bad. This might be just another case of no one giving a fuck. Uh, like, mm. But, but the, the, the coffee cup, people are using this as, like, essentially building a case that, like, the Double Ds don't care anymore. I think production errors... Production errors happen. Happen, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to let that slide. I do think that I think, overall I'm yeah. feeling, like, a lessened sense of uh importance about sticking this landing from the mm-hmm. double d's mm-hmm. uh i just think they've made some sloppy decisions in in you know the staging and whatnot of certain things the telling right. of certain stories so i feel you know the the naysayers uh on that regard but i don't think the coffee cup is indicative of that yeah no, you go. I mean, I think it's indicative of the fact that they're always running short of time and money, and uh, you know, like maybe in a season that had less 
CGI. They could have they they'd have time to catch that and paint it out digitally. I don't I don't know, but yeah, I, yeah. Th- that stuff just happens all the time. I think there's been a season that there was like a jeep that was in the background of a shot, and even in the fucking like Fellowship the Ring, I think there's a scene where like Sam and Frodo are leaving a shire where there's like a a truck. With exhaust going in the background. Oh uh, right? well, clearly like, Peter Jackson doesn't give a shit about Lord of the Rings. Right, then. I'm saying like, like some clearly sh- some shit just gets gets. Yeah, you, you you nothing's perfect because you always run out of time and money eventually, and it has to be shipped. So mm-hmm. um, I'm less inclined to give Double D's a benefit of the doubt, but I think there's your nitpicking. There's your nitpicking for sure. If the Starbucks coffee cup is what sends you flying into the, you, you're 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 already on well on your way to flying. Uh, Jennifer B. So angry by the treatment and betrayal of Ghost as a result of betrayal of John's character, I just had to vent. Let me start with the caveat. Caveat? Caveat? Caveat. Thank you. That I completely understand and agree that the show has to demonstrate the progression from Stark, Snow to Targaryens and its relationship he has with the physical manifestations of the house sigil. The wolf slash dragon could have been poetic. However... Come on, not even a boop on the nose. Never mind a heartfelt thank you for your loyalty, Ghost. I'm sorry I didn't deserve it. I'm actually questioning John as a character if he can so easily dismiss this duress link to the Starks. If it was just a, a result of a poor production choice based on budget, shame, shame, shame. Man, what, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's pretty indefensible. Uh, other than you know they're trying to tell the story of the Targaryen, uh, Car- Targaryen king who used to be a Stark and is unable to deal with it. But honestly, I I thought the snub was pretty unwarranted. There is a funny. There is the. There is a funny. One of the funniest um, shit posts I saw on R slash Game of Thrones was someone. Uh, sh- the, the, the top frame was Rhaegal getting shot by you know one of those big spears, mm-hmm. and then the bottom frame was the shot of Euron like aiming it, but they had photoshopped him out and put ghost behind it, and he <laughs> just he just said, "Bitch," you know, like. <laughs> Yeah. Essentially, oh, you're going to be my my ma- you're going to be the new pet. Well, a fuck lot of that. good it did him. Yeah. Uh, Mark T. As John is no longer a black brother after his death, and all the others are dead, following Dol- Dolores Ed, that leaves Sam as the only known surviving black brother. Does that make him Lord Commander by default, or does he have to formally vote for himself as the only candidate? Yeah, I think it does. Actually, yeah. I think the fir- the next Lord Commander is going to be whatever wildling decides to squat in Castle Black mm. and be put Tormund on a black... Tormund said he was headed through there, so... Put on a black cloak and be like, look at me, I'm King Crow. He'll just be Lord Commander, because <laughs> right. who's going to say otherwise? Fair. So whoever first takes over Castle Black and finds a discarded black cloak will be the, the new Lord Commander. All right, Rob C., any chance Kyburn tries to reanimate Rega like he did with the mountain? Oh, fuck. I mean, would that be a giant shark jumping... Like, people gave the Night King shit for being able to have, like, steel chains to drag drag a, a shallow... Oh, he is at the bottom of the bay, isn't he? But, yeah, it's, that's that's in the ocean. I mean, it could uh-huh. be yeah, hundreds of feet deep. It could be very, very deep. Like, you gotta understand, before scuba technology, 50 feet deep was, like, yeah. damn near unreachable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fair. I, I don't think they can. Yeah. I don't think they can. Yeah. Um, all right. Karma C. Oh, oh, may- Here, I got it. Yeah. The mountain, the mountain walks down, walks to with a big chain, a big ass chain, and hauls Doesn't him have out to himself because he's dead already. Yep. All right. They just strap the fucking heaviest armor they can to him. Yeah. There you go. We need like a snappy name enough. for that theory, like Clegane, like you know yeah. the the Clegane brothers tow truck service, or or <laughs> or uh, uh, Gregor's salvage and reclamation company. 
will uh, let's let's we take contributions that. from the audience. What let's, was the name of the mission? If you have a good name for it, send it in. Do you remember like when Howard Hughes like took a special purpose built ship and he said he was like drilling for oil or something? He was actually stealing a Russian submarine. This is a real story to happen. I don't and on planet know Earth. about this. Wow. Uh, we need to find, whatever the code name that he was working with the sea. We need to just that's the theory. Okay. Or we can workshop it. Uh, Karma C, who is this new Prince of Dorne? Will they be of any help in the battle for King's Landing? I mean, maybe, but I mean, they, they, they he exists. That's literally all we know about him. But but I think it's conspicuous that they mention it. Yeah, you know, we but, have a theory that Yara might rally the forces of Dorne right. and come save them in the last moment, or yeah. who knows? It's just the two, just there's two episodes left. Like, I don't I don't know how you set that up, or it doesn't feel like a complete ass pull. Like, yeah. if John and Danny are getting their ass kicked outside the gates of King's Landing and these dumb fucks with sun spears roll up and it's like, oh, I mean, even Yara, Yara doing it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's ways they can make that pull off, but they're, they're, every, every second that lapses of screen time from here on, it makes that, that, that be less and less likely. Yeah. All right, two left. Uh, Mike R. While resigned to the fact that Double Ds have washed their hands of the White Walkers, I'm curious about the Wildlings and what they might find after returning home. With the Whites no longer a threat, there's no restrictions outside of adverse weather and how far north they could wander. If the Night King came from the Wildlings' definition of the north, who's to say there's nothing uh, or not someone, someone or something up, up there? If the Night King was acting alone, raising his army as he headed southwards, could there not be others of his kind living in peace and isolation? Uh, I don't think I, so. No, the story the, they've told is that he's the progenitor of all of them. Yeah, he was the White Walker Prime. Yeah. So even so if there, when he dies, everyone should die. Even if there was an offshoot of others that were just minding their own business, I'm sh- that'd be yeah. fu- funny. He, he only brought half his army. Right. <laughs> they're just sitting up there chilling, you know, watching White Walker television, and they just explode into ice cubes <laughs> in their living rooms. Right. Um, also on the subject of wildlings, does Danny intend to have them bend the knee as subjects of the realm should she win the throne or leave the free folk to their own devices? I actually thought that was going to be a bone that Danny had to pick with John. Like, wouldn't they would say goodbye? She's like, oh, you just let my army of wildlings go? Like, I didn't give royal permission for that. Mm. And then they'd have a fight about the distinction between kneelers and non-kneelers. But yeah, no, they didn't do They're that. They're not included in the Seven Kingdoms, right? They're not. So maybe she won't want to have that hold over them there are many many peoples on this planet that would say that doesn't matter like there's i agree there's been people pressed and conscripted for for even more ludicrous defenses of stupider causes um against their will so Mm -hmm. Uh, but she's not trying to be the queen of essos either right so you know she's she's focused on the seven kingdoms right now she should be she Uh should be like, like if Essos goes to shit because... If you want justice in Westeros, why don't you want it in Essos, right? Right, like, you brought it there yourself, yeah. you set Dario on your throne, and mm-hmm. then if he mismanages it, you gotta go over there and fix that. Like, I don't think you can, but it's just two episodes left. Essos is yeah. a... off the board. ...is a dream of spring at this point. Uh, JR, final one. All the complaints about the season, which for the most part are valid in my eyes. The character issues, logic issues, jetpacking, quick resolutions, force situations, convenient scene endings. We all should have expected this, right? Once we became aware that the Double Ds wanted to be done to move on to other projects, we should have expected these holes, these plots, theories, prophecies being thrown aside. We feared the rush in Season 7 and got it, and the same for Season 8 so far. Just wanted your thoughts on the concept that we should have expected issues in the show when the showrunners want to be done. 
Um, secondly, why do you think HBO accepted that the Double Ds wanted to end the show and end it rapidly? HBO or any network will never have a pro- phenomenon of a show like this again. If the Ds wanted to move on, why not get someone else to take over? And I know some of the actors want to be done. Why not kill them off if they wanted to leave or replace the actors? I don't think the viewers were asking for a show to be rushed to an end or HBO themselves. It was just the showrunners. Do you think it's accurate that the double that the Dan and David are want this to be done with as quickly as possible? Because I don't. It, it, it seems evident to me at this point. But they but, spent so much time and effort and money doing this final season. Uh huh. Like I don't. I, it it doesn't seem did. fair to say they half-assed it or. I mean, maybe they rushed the storytelling. Yeah, I, mean, obviously I, I think so. I think they, they did shortened seasons. They rushed some of the storytelling, and I think it was in an effort to yeah. get to the end of this thing because, you know, it's they've been working on this for a decade now. Like, right. people lose interest in something like that. Not only that, but again, like we've said this a million times, but this was a labor of love, adapting this book series that they loved, yeah. and then the creator himself couldn't be bothered to finish it. So, like... You know, it is. It, I mean, God, this could be the only ending in Game of Thrones we ever see, or a Song of Ice mm-hmm. and Fire. Like, and, and and honestly, I think the people that think that that's more likely that George will finish than not, I think, are way delusional. Like, every year that comes is is almost more certain that we'll never have a be, a, a better conclusion than we're getting to the story than the one we're getting now. Yeah, it's. <laughs> so so let me say this first before I move on to my other point, but I think there's a difference to be. Uh, there's a difference between seeing something and being dissatisfied by something. Like, seeing something coming and expecting it doesn't mean that you're actually going to like it, right? So even if we saw it coming, our expectation is that this is going to be good up to the standard of Game of Thrones in past seasons, even if we understand that the creators are over it and they want to be done with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still think we have an expectation and we should have that expectation as an audience that this is going to be just as good as previous seasons. And I don't think it has quite so. Now, HBO's in, like, I, th- th- these guys are under contract. Like, I don't know what it would look like. First of all, I... So, I don't think, like... There's a lot... There's been, you know, there's been a lot of fans have been saying, like, this show's gone to shit. I don't think it's gone to shit, no. but it's the, 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 there has been, an, uh, in my mind, a noticeable drop in the quality of the writing. Um, but to say that, like, season seven was just like, like, I think that a lot of people are, are acting like, in hindsight, season seven's a colossal failure. And the, the HBO Dude, there's seen... like one episode that has a couple of scenes that are bad yeah. and a, a couple of missteps. Season seven is good. Yeah. But, but like, the fact that HBO would see, like, 100 million people worldwide watching and, like, everyone's still in anticipation and be like, you know what? Gonna take this Dan and Dave guy out to dinner and tell them their services will no longer be needed for these last six episodes. Like that's you need to be brand plugged into the Weirwood network to and and yeah. the other thing is there's still two fucking episodes left. What if you know? And I'm not going to say this because I, I I declared bankruptcy. I'm just seeing what happens. <laughs> so, but but what if they pay off Brand's warging and what if they have something like really satisfying and emotionally resonant between John and Danny and you know, like they're there. Like if you would ask a lot of people midway through season seven, whether that's going to be a good season or bad season, there had been a lot of people like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And we're at that point. There's still three, three episodes worth of television left and two episodes that we're going to get. So 
I mean, again, I don't encourage people to. If, if you're disappointed, I don't. I, I I think you should keep your expectations low. But I I'm not willing to say. And even God, I mean, I hate talking this about this shit. This is why I hate. I, <laughs> sometimes when I'm a fan, I just wish I didn't have to podcast about it because uh-huh. like it's a lot easier wrestling this stuff privately. But like, um, if season eight turns out to be a giant turd, uh, how do people remember Game of Thrones? Because I feel like the narrative is like Game of Thrones was one an amazing, awesome, groundbreaking work of genre work that fell apart at the end because the source material wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone comes away from this looking like an asshole, except for maybe the Double D's, maybe maybe George Martin. But like, yeah, and honestly, yeah. Like bottom line, I was like, I don't think anyone comes away from this looking worse other than Martin if he never finishes the book, or if he finishes them, they're they're the same or worse. Um, yeah, I, I do think that, but that's just me. I really believe, and and there's a uh, precedent for this within fantasy literature, that these books will be finished. Maybe not by Martin. He's dead set against that. (laughs) Yeah, but when he's dead, what say does he have? That's true. I guess it'd be his heirs and and assignees Uh, and all that. And and there's precedent for this. I mean, it happened with Robert Jordan uh, and his Wheel of Time series. Like, you, you can bring in another writer. I think this will be very contentious amongst the fans especially if it's against martin's will but, holy shit yeah but like what do you want yeah. do you want your incomplete series of books and a could have been or do you want somebody to maybe try and bring it home satisfactorily i think that if martin like on his deathbed spends a day or two with a well-regarded fantasy author and says i want you to finish this mm-hmm. my son slash daughter his blessing yeah. gives his blessing even then Unless this is like, like, even if it's in, even if it's satisfying, there's still going to be a lot of people like, boy, I'd really like to see what George would have done. A hundred percent. Like it's people like, will exist. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I just, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to track the fandom after this because like there will <laughs> like for damn sure George is still writing books. He's got another one coming out this year. The second volume of the Targaryen shit. Uh, he's got uh, there's several prequels that's in the work. One is green light and being in, in pre-production right now. And there's casting and that looks pretty interesting and good. Like it will be interesting to see what becomes of the fandom. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I think that's the real stakes here is like if 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 everyone's like roundly disappointed by the way this like instantly enthusiasm for all these projects, I think is at least temporarily set back. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. There's there's other franchises to like uh it's you know what? If you declared bankruptcy, I got a little thing that I like to, to like to set a little little uh long term investment called the expanse. Hell yes. It's Game of Thrones in space. These guys are writing a book a year. They're writing a book a and year. And they're stellar. They're, there's two guys, so you got some redundancy in there. If something goes wrong with one of their work ethic or brain or body. <laughs> uh, and, and we're covering it in a podcast called Belt Loda. Look it up. The, adapta- the adaptation is a lot of fun. Uh, you know. But then again, we're approximately like in Red Wedding territory for The Expanse. Yeah. We're so like it's deep in the heart it's, of the best it's, it's, part it's, of it. They, they still got seasons where they could shit the bed mm-hmm. and rush an adaptation. But uh, you know, if, if you're looking for something to fill that uh, deeply plotted, politically relevant and and interesting, deep cast a mile long, but still some fantasy weird shit thrown in there too, then 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 uh, you can head you can head your bets with the Expanse mm-hmm. right now. Um, everybody else, I guess we're you know. 
that's that's what I do if I declare bankruptcy. So yeah. reinvesting. For sure. <laughs> Elsewhere. So all right. Game of Thrones at baldmove.com is where you want to send all the hate mail and the feedback and the love and all the stuff that we get each week. Uh you can also get on our forums, talk it over with your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com. Uh we will be back this Sunday. Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm way ahead of myself. It's beginning of the week still. Uh, we'll be back Friday with the spoiler edition where we'll delve a little bit deeper into uh, the books and what might happen or maybe our disappointments with it or just the, the you know, just the, the world of Ice and Fire is, is amazing, a place to explore just in and of itself. If you're a lore hound like myself, uh, that comes out Friday and then we do it all over again on Sunday with the instant take right after the, the 9 p.m. showing of Game of Thrones and instant talk for our club members. Uh, don't forget, this is the last opportunity you can lock in those 25% off on annual memberships, both new and renewing. Uh, the sale ends after today, this Tuesday. Um, no. And tomorrow? Is it the 7th already? Is it? Fuck me. Is it the 7th? It's the 7th. Oh, yeah. You yeah. better get on that. Unless Jim forgets to shut it off in the store tonight, uh, the deal will be ending tonight. So yeah. uh, lock it in if you're listening to this on a Tuesday or maybe wee hours of the morning on Wednesday. And we'll see you back uh, for all this stuff. Uh <laughs> uh this this friday i got I, I why i i can't ever end the podcast it's every correctly. day it's every day on game of thrones also wednesday there's going to be a, a, a dragon dragon heart we we got our super yeah. serious film fest rolling on dragon hearts coming out yeah but you heard all this you yeah. heard all this before i'm just reminding you just reminding okay. you for the people who stayed at the very the, the bitter end all right until the next time i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya